Good evening and welcome to The Blender. I am Gino, your host, and per usual, as always, right next to me, my co-host, Mr. Michael Christian, Patriot Net. Michael, how are you? Fantastic. It's been a good but good week, but a long week. Lots of Excellent. things going on this time of year. Let me do a little maintenance here on the screen since I uh, yeah. was so flustered beforehand. <laughs> I forgot to do the, I was like, the name tag. I was like, what are you going to do? Gino put our names over uh, uh, Joe's head? <laughs> put it over his face. Michael, <laughs> oh. you just you just gave away the surprise. We were going to introduce What him. surprise? Oh, everybody knows. Everybody knows who it is now. Maybe they don't with the disguise on. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> returning for a record-breaking, or actually you're the only person that's ever been on our show other than maybe one or two other people, Mr. Joseph Jordan for his seventh, I believe, appearance on The Blender. Joseph, the founder of CE4 Research and president, and I know it's not MUFON director anymore. It's lifetime member of MUFON, Joe Jordan. How are you, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? Great. Love the hat. I think you need a bill on the front of it, though. I think that'll help. (laughs) We need somebody to come up with a, a merch store where they can merchandise these. We have to. We We need to do some merch. Yeah, I would like, gosh, even Starting. my logos, look at, I'm a wreck here. Look at my logos oh, in place. What is going <laughs> on? Guys, I'm sorry we're late. It's my fault. I uh, I worked late today, and then I had a whole bunch of other stuff. I had to meet up with a friend, and uh, it's just been one of those days, like, trying to get caught up, and I never did. In fact, I didn't even get to watch my Detroit Lions, so I don't know if they won or lost today. I only got to see part of it. So Uh-oh. don't tell. Don't tell if you know, because I have to watch oh. the replay. My wife already said it in the chat, but we need to wish uh, Joe a happy belated birthday. Well, we didn't right get on, that alien cake out to you. Right on oh, cue. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Joe. That's always fun. <laughs> Happy you, birthday, Joe. 40 Thank years you. young. Good to see you. Yeah. Actually, the big 7-0. Man, 70 years old. You don't look, yeah. I'll tell you, if I had to guess, and I'm not even, you know, sometimes people just say this, but I'm being honest. I thought you were uh, early 60s. Yeah, I've had people say even younger than that. And, Late 50s, um, early 60s, same difference. I feel like I'm getting younger, not older. I felt old at about 45, and then it seemed like I started getting younger again. Don't you always feel young in your mind, though? Like, I still Absolutely. believe I'm 21. In my mind, yeah. I'm 21 years old. Now, my body tells me otherwise, but in my mind, I feel 21. You know, mostly men say that. Women don't. That is very true. I don't know a woman that has ever said that now that i think about it (laughs) it's a great point michael what do you feel like in your mind you know i don't know i don't know what i feel like age wise but what what i can tell you is you know going to the new church that we joined i just sat in on you know what i thought was the sunday school i should be in one sunday i'm like yeah these people look like they're my age and come to find out i'm in the 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 next group up and so I, it's hard to, at this age, I'm 40. So it's hard to tell now, like who's, who's what age, 
because somebody in their you know late twenties or mid thirties or fifties, it's it's to me it's all the same at this point. So I'm at that age now where it just seems like uh, I don't know how old people are. It is me. weird. It is weird when you get older. Like it, when you were in school, you always knew how old somebody was. Like you just could tell. But mm -hmm. like now, I like you said, I think I look at anybody from about the age of probably thirteen to. 19 and they look exactly <laughs> the same to me <laughs> 20 to like 35 looks the same like i can't tell i don't know any of that stuff if i was that guy at the fair trying to guess your weight and age uh, i would be a miserable wreck you'd get fired the first day wouldn't you oh yeah everybody would be winning win that big teddy bear that big teddy bear <laughs> <laughs> you know anyway. i even found that i even found that to be uh something even more of a deal when i lived overseas in korea all those years it's it's the Asian people, they don't they just don't age, you know. No, I know. And it really threw me off with the ages, trying to guess ages. You're like, I don't. Do you think 60, it's their I'm diet? 95. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have running no circles right. It's got to be that. The diet. They're very they're very energetic. Yeah, it's it's the diet. I think it's a different culture. There's a lot of different different things. I mean, yeah. probably probably less stress. I would imagine. I would hope so. It seems like it. Yeah. By the way, um, I don't know if the chats noticed, but Joe's got a special outfit on tonight. He's he's got his tinfoil hat on and his astronaut gear. He's ready to go. You're you're gonna get hot in that <laughs> thing tonight, aren't you? Does it have a no? It's very it? lightweight. Oh, okay. It's very lightweight. And it's kind of cool here anyway, so. Is that like an official uh, actual jumpsuit or something of NASA? No, it's just, a, it's a replica of the Apollo uh, outfits that they wore, the space, yeah. the space suits wore. But it's just a, it's just a hoodie, you know. Yeah, very cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it is? Oh, it's just a hoodie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought it hoodie. was like, oh, I thought it was like actual, like, you know, space material. <laughs> Put the helmet on and. <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's say hi to the chat before we get started here we've got plant patriot aka punctual patriot she was right on time today but i wasn't so now she has to make up a nickname for me good to see a plan as always sis um let's see data tome 52 what is christian perspective on aliens well funny you should ask that's what we're going to get good. into tonight we mm -hmm. yeah we talk about that every time joe comes on obviously we also have CPN Mom. CPN Mom, it is always a pleasure to see you. I hope you are doing well. Danielle, my co-host on Rescue the Fosters. Danielle, I love you, sis. Good. Thank you for being here. Iris Jab, my good friend Barb, is in the chat. Who else do we have that I miss? Neo has Neo, made an appearance. Yeah. Neo is out there. Sometimes a guest host here, uh, Mr. Jordan. Sometimes she hosts with us here. Also, uh, and she has a show here in Foxville, which is amazing. Who else did I miss, Mike? Mandy Deep Patriot. Deep Patriot. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Good to see you all. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. Over there in Rumble, we got a bunch of lurkers. Good to see you guys. Thank you for dropping by. Any uh, questions tonight, go ahead, drop them in the chat. Both chats, Rumble and Foxhole. And let's. we'd like to have this um, discussion. Like, we already have one from what it was. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It was Dada. Dada, Dada Tomei 52 is our... Dad oh, dead at Oh my gosh. See, that's okay. Speaking of age, <laughs> speaking of age, when your eyes go, <laughs> my eyes are terrible. They were making fun of me the other night. We had uh, on, on our Rescue to Foster show, we had the guy that wrote the original Matrix script. 
uh, great guy, awesome guy. Um, and it was stolen from him. And so he was on telling us, yeah, telling the story about it and all that and how Hollywood, you know, kind of screwed him over and all this stuff. But the joke was I couldn't see anything the whole time he's showing evidence on the screen. <laughs> I was squinting and he's zooming in for me. Yeah, it gets really frustrating. Uh, but can you triple the size of it, please? <laughs> even with, you know, Mike, <laughs> even with my glasses, like I'm starting to notice it's even worse. Like I got to go to the next magnification, I think. <laughs> which is really a bummer. I, I used to have fantastic vision and it's just gone in the toilet. Anywho, uh, if you guys do have questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. We will be watching both rumble and foxhole for those. Um, otherwise, what do you say we get into it? Joe, any new news on the alien front? Did, has anybody landed on the white house lawn? Um, any people, any, any green Martians, that we've discovered yet on the on the uh, no. surface there of Mars? No, nothing. I just, you know, there's more whistleblowers coming out with more stories, but, you know, still, they're not giving us anything. You know, there's a lot of good stories. And if I wasn't such a decent, honest person, you know, being in this for 30 years, I could come up with one heck of a story. You know, I'm sure, with no problem, but that's not what I'm about. I'm about exposing those stories for what they really are. But there are some good ones out there. The one that fascinates me the most is the gentleman that tells the story uh, as a Marine, and they were on patrol in the Philippines, and they came across a craft. Have you heard of that one? No. This is no, I don't think I have. Fa fascinating story. I'll have to send you the link to that one later to watch. Um, the guy gives the whole encounter. Uh, when they come across this operation in the jungle there in the Philippines and uh, they come across a craft and they're encountered by these special operations guys all in black, no insignias on their uniforms. And uh, they're taken, they're, they're taken by these guys and, um, and held, but they're able to watch as they're, being addressed by these special ops guys and they're able to see past them to what's going on and they describe a hundred meter ship that's hovering over the ground and the way he describes it is uh it's hovering and then there's a below it between the ground and the ship there's a platform and it's hovering also and but there's a ramp that goes up on either side of it, and they're watching vehicles come up over onto it and unloading stuff up, and they go they go up into the ship, and then they go off the other side. So there was a number of people that are involved in this operation. What they discover, what was happening, uh, more into the story, is what they were seeing. What they thought they were seeing was a drug operation going on. And that's what these cargo were coming in on the on the jeeps, being uploaded to trucks and being uploaded into this crap. But what they found out later through conversations with other people that seemed to know about what was going on was that it had to do with uh, what do they call that? Um, where 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 people are being no, taken? Human trafficking. Human trafficking. Trafficking. Yes. Yes, but it was an interesting thing when I listened to the story, his description of how the craft left. 
because they were still there being guarded by these special ops guys and uh, being warned they can't say anything. They're not, you know, they never saw this, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're being threatened. And uh, they thought they were going to die while they were there in, in the hands of these guys. But as he talks about the ship leaving, he says it left in an instant and it was gone. And, you know, that made me think about something that uh, another scientist had talked about, researcher into this. He, he felt that what people were actually seeing is not a craft leaving, should I say, at a fast speed, but going down to nothing. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like so almost disintegrating, right? Into a single point or something? Yes. It's like, remember, we talked a lot about, I believe what we're seeing here are manifestations of the, the crafts are manifestations. So they come from another realm into our realm. And I believe that that's what we're actually seeing is them disappearing back into the other realm. Um, and that's something that I had to think about when he was given that description. But the thing is that he's talking about here is confusing is there's humans involved in this activity with this type of craft that has that type of ability. So I got to thinking about that a little bit. And what came to mind is with my sci-fi background is it sounds like this is not a craft that goes somewhere and flies somewhere. It's a craft that appears somewhere. And maybe the craft really isn't there. It's, it's in two places at the same time. I'm, I'm reaching into science fiction now. In other words, it's not a flying craft. It's an object that's used for teleportation. Think about that. In other words, they were, this thing was made to appear as a craft in the Philippines where they were uploading supposedly people, but actually it was still at the same time wherever it originally is. So there was no transportation of the people itself. They just went into the same thing that appears someplace else where this whole thing is is happening. You understand? So it's almost a, it's almost like a, a just a projected image of what's yeah, happening like somewhere a, else, like a doorway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. And I don't think that's, that's far-fetched anymore. I mean, I would have thought that was far-fetched maybe 10 years ago, but I don't think it is anymore. You know, maybe this is something that it made me think about they're, they're opening a hole to be able to, let's say this whole place takes place in a hangar somewhere. But once they crank this thing up, it can appear wherever, but it's actually still in the hangar. When these people are uploaded into the craft, they're showing up in the hangar. So just something to think about. Oh, that's I like that. Now, what do you think, Joe? Do you think that's um, is that the good guys that were helping uh, create this stuff? Just a bunch of scientists that got together and got their minds together and said, "Hey, we can create this technology," or is this something from another realm? No, that doesn't speak of another realm. That speaks of something that belongs to us. I just don't understand what the there's not enough information about it to determine what type of technology we're talking about there. I don't believe we have the capability to do 
zero gravity. I don't think that's possible. Um, I don't think that's something we're going to develop. It's sci-fi. But I think it's something that, that's why it made me think that it maybe it's something else. But I just, I, it's hard to wrap my head around that one. But I don't think that it's what we're seeing out there is reported as UAPs and UFOs that most people are seeing. That's something different in entirely. All right, Joe, we have a question over on Rumble. J336 said, what do you have to say about close encounters of the sixth kind? Some classify as aliens basically killing people or hitting them with an unknown thing that causes radiation death, etc. I've read a lot of the cases about people being injured and even supposedly killed by encounters. But I don't believe these entities have the right and this gets complicated they have the right to kill us i think a lot of the harm comes from people encountering these objects because of the uh how do you talk about that i can't say technology because it's not technology that they have it's ability that they have we know that during close encounter events. There have been different types of effects. Uh, people report automobiles stopping. It's almost like an EMP effect where everything gets killed, you know, except that with an EMP, it's not going to come back up. But in these instances where people report automobiles stopping, radio turning off, electric turning off, you know, but it does power up later. Um, we also talk about the radiation burns that some people get from close proximity encounters. I kind of believe that most of those is because they encountered something that we did, not because of something that these entities have done. I know there's physiological effects during a close encounter. We've talked about that, where you talk, where they talk about the Oz factor, where people in close proximity of an encounter experience time distortion, where it seems like everything came to a standstill. There's no sound. Uh, it, it's a weird sensation that they experience. And most people that experience the Oz factor are more, are more intrigued by that experience than what they were seeing as an object. But I don't believe that these experiences are leaving the physical effects. I think that's probably something that we own that's doing that. The reason I say that they don't have the, I don't believe they have the right to kill us is this, that's not, I don't believe that's the purpose of the phenomenon. My research findings show that it seems to be that what we're seeing here is a grand delusion, strong delusion. And if it goes back to what scripture talks about, that strong delusion is talked about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where God sends this strong delusion. And it's all about to test us to see where our true faith is. Is it in him? Or is it in signs and wonders and experiences? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about harming us. The delusion is not about that. If you are deceived by this delusion, in the end, the harm is that you 
eternal soul <laughs> ends up on the wrong place, not with God. That's the danger in it all. But it's not something that happens during the experience. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense because you have so, a whole so, group of people that are pushing that narrative of some benevolent, you know, being yeah. coming down and you know, it's There's it's a, a mirror of Christ's return almost. Yeah. If 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 this is the strong delusion it's talked about in Second Thessalonians, then God is sending the strong delusion. He's allowing the enemy to perpetrate it. But they have limitations. It's about deception, illusion. It's, it's delusion. It's not about harming us in any way. But what I will tell you, they do that something that does happen to experiencers that have encounter, have these encounters, especially in abduction type encounters, they can drive you to a madness where you'll want to kill yourself. And that I've seen over and over and over in many testimony cases where people have been driven to the point, sitting on a bed with a gun in their hand, ready to end it all because there's no hope out there for them. And that's the one thing I've been trying to do for 30 years is offer them that hope, that there is a hope. Joe, um, you done did it now. You mentioned EMP, so I have to hit this button. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, technically, that's not an EMP. That's an atom bomb, but hey, it's close enough. But yeah. I, need, I just needed a reason, but thank you for that. Well, Joe, it's technically the same thing. If it's an air blast, you know, high enough, there up, you go. Become, it works yeah. as an EMP. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick quick uh, comment from my good friend Iris Jav in the chat. She did tell me about this about a week and a half ago. Actually, she told me a couple times. She had an, account, an encounter about 30 years ago in a rural area here in Michigan. It was real rural back then. Now it's not so much. And she was driving with her daughter. And, Barb, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong on this. But I, let's see. She put it in the chat. She, what I saw was as wide as the street, and it was dead silent, and it was hovering above their car. Um, and her her daughter actually remembers this but denies it. She will not talk about it. I don't know if she's embarrassed by the situation or whatever, but she said she she actually encountered something. I don't know if it was beings or not. you got to remind me, Barb, um, if that's what it was. But this is back like 30 years ago. Now, I thought it was... When she first told me this, she said it was silent. I said, yeah, they're always silent. What is it with this silence thing? And then I remembered what you said, Joe. Like all these people you've inter interviewed and, and talked to, they seem to have a similar eerie sense of like a foreboding thing is coming and this dead silence. Is that the moment where people kind of lose like consciousness or something? Like they, they can, these demons can actually create this, I don't know, atmosphere in the room that can cause people to lose consciousness? How does that work? Well, that's a yes and no, because there's different types of instances where these experiences happen. The, ex the experiences that people have can be one of two ways. It can actually be a spiritual manifestation where you actually see something. Or it can be what, what, like the abduction experiences, where it happens during the mostly during the sleep type state, but not always, where it's a spiritual visionary experience that's given to a person. 
that they believe that it actually happened, that it's actually real. And that's the fascinating ability that these entities have, that they can give us a full experience. And it's not really a full experience because when I start to question the people about the experience itself, you find that there's missing pieces there. There's, there's things that should be there that aren't. And that's because these, these visionary experiences that are given to them are sens first sensational, impacting, just enough of the overwhelming experience to get them to believe that it actually happened, but without having to give all the detail to, you know, that comes with a real life experience. You know, I've noticed yeah. like near-death experiences are similar. There's a lot Very of these, and, and I'm not saying all near-death experiences aren't legit. I do believe there are some that are legitimate. Paul experienced something where he said he didn't know whether, you know, he was uh, in the body, out of the body, whatever, but something happened to him. You know, visions are probably very similar, but there is this part of the human mind, let's call it the consciousness or whatever, but that's connected to the spirit where a spiritual experience will happen. Um, we know like astral projection with uh, Hinduism and, and New Age and all that stuff. They do this stuff. They leave their body remote viewing. So there is something in us that God purposely said, don't dabble with, don't mess with, because you're going into territory that we don't understand. It's not our realm. Ours is a terrestrial place, not an extraterrestrial. And so I feel like when when people have these experiences, a lot of them will say they've seen, you know, this this beautiful light and it made them feel wonderful but yet they've never known the name of Jesus Christ. They've never followed him, but yet they're having this amazing experience. So we know that as Christians, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. He's the only way to the Father. They don't, but they're having this euphoric experience. Like, oh gosh, I, I want to die. Well, what greater way to convince someone that you're okay with God than to make you experience something that gives you pleasure and then eventually you know, it leads you down a road of deception and take your life some way and some uh, shape, way or form and lead you to hell. Actually, when you were thinking, gosh, but I had this wonderful experience. And even some people, Joe, have even said they've, they've seen Jesus, right. And he comes to him and, and he sure. loved them, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It never lines up no. with scripture. Well, I shouldn't say never, but most of the time it doesn't line up with scripture. So is that something similar? Yes. Very similar. Um, these experiences that people have with the near-death experience, there's so much in line with what happens during the abduction experience. These people, they're not going anywhere. That's, that's the whole thing. Nobody can go anywhere. We're, we are bound to this reality. The spirit realm has the ability to come into our realm, but we do not have the ability to enter that realm. The whole idea of astral travel, you're really not going anywhere. You're, you're, you're letting these beings know that this is what you want to do, and they will give you the experience. Because keep in mind that they are timeless and they have presence everywhere where we don't. So the whole concept of saying, you know, I want to remote view what's going on in the Kremlin right now. Well, <laughs> you reach out to these these forces and um, be careful what you ask for. You know, they're going to give it to you. and You're going to think you've got this special ability. And all of these type of experiences that people ask for and, and delve into, 
it just takes them away from the one true God. It gets them to doubt everything that's, you know, like in God's word. That's the end result of this strong delusion. Everybody that gets involved in these type of experiences, the end run is taking them away from the one true God. That's the purpose of the delusion, to test where your faith is. So uh, Barb, Barb gave me a few more um, details. So the, the slow-moving object was hovering over the car, um, made no noise, and then there was no lights on it either. And then it just like sped off after a brief amount of time. Yeah, good. It's a good, uh, it's a good sighting experience. Mm -hmm. Very typical. And, you know, it doesn't take any more than that to get a person off track from their, their, their faith in God, because they'll question that experience because it's so powerful and so different from our reality that they'll live with it for 20, 30 years questioning what was that? How could that be possible? And that just opens up the whole can of worms of asking questions about, are we really alone? You know, uh, did God make other beings out there in the universe? Well, you know, all those questions can be answered in God's word, but we ended up becoming where we question God's word. But I had this experience. How can God's word not talk about that? But he does talk about that. And that's the thing that we really need to understand. You're muted, I think. Crap, sorry. Oh, man, I was going to try to get through one blender without being muted. <laughs> Never going to happen. Would you say, Joe, that these craft, I mean, are they all from the spiritual realm? Or are there some that are maybe government creations or even, um, I mean, let, let's just, I mean, me personally, my, and I don't know what Mike's take on this is, I do think there are some nuts and bolts out there. I do think there's some of these crafts that we have. That, but I don't believe it's from you know an alien land or something like that. It's it's government stuff. It's technologies that they've developed. Maybe there was demonic influence in some of it. I don't know. Um, but I I don't think they're all just you know these spiritual experiences. I would say a majority of them probably are, and they're just manifesting in some kind of I don't know. I think we talked about this last time. Like the Bible talks about we've entertained angels unaware, so they can obviously sure. take shapes of human beings somehow and mike always talks about the meat suit i mean i just i always think of it as like the spiritual closet they go into and they got all these costumes in there <laughs> they just pop another one on and <laughs> come into our realm or something i don't know how they do it but maybe they can do that with you know i don't know flying ships or something well the main thing to keep in mind too and now i'm talking as a mufon and you know representative is it you know we know that 98 percent or more of all reported sightings are misidentified. <clears throat> in other words, people have misidentified what they've seen to be some type of alien crap. Um, but they're actually misidentified man-made objects or natural objects that they're seeing. It's just that they see them for such a short period of time, seconds, you know, at the most, and there's not enough information for them to tell exactly what they're seeing. And because of, you know, the, the interest in our society, 
that people first thing they think, oh, it's a UFO. And then because of the brainwashing we've been through for 40 years now, everybody thinks that a UFO means it's an alien craft. When actually all they're saying is that's what they're seeing, something they can't identify. Because that's all UFO means, unidentified flying object. Joe, doesn't Joe, mean anything Joe, more than that. Time out, Joe. Time out. You're so 2000s. It's not UFO anymore. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Come on, get well, with the times. It was a, a question came to mind when you were talking about this. Um, has there been? Have you have you noticed an uptick in? So you said that about. How many? How much percent? You said about ninety-eight percent. Yeah, ninety-eight mis, percent misidentified. Have you seen mm -hmm. an uptick in that with the um, the addition of drones being? You know, I've seen some drones that are incredible, and sure. how quickly they can move around. It could easily easily be misidentified as some kind of alien craft because it's a lot closer to you and it's moving so fast that to me, if it was in the dark and it was just a light, it could it could very much mimic what people imagine these uh alien spacecraft are doing and so i was and just there, wondering and there's the key to the whole thing people imagine mm -hmm. you know that's what's driving the whole thing you know i have yet to see anything that in in all my years of doing this anything that's caught me off guard to go wow that was impressive you know i just it doesn't affect me that way the people are looking for something that's the difference People are looking for an experience. They want an experience to know something else is, is there besides their miserable life. Sorry to say, but that's the way it is with most people, you know, they want and that experience kind of is dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not even evidence just because you've seen something, you know, right. the evidence is being able to identify what it is, but you know, we don't get to that point. You know, we've got nothing today, period, nothing. After all these years and decades of looking for the truth, we got nothing. Just stories. So similar to uh, Bigfoot, Chupacabra, vampires. Yeah. All of the mythical creatures throughout throughout human history, it seems, yeah. you know, and we've talked about this before, how this this seems to be a Western, you know, phenomena. It's not happening in Africa or necessarily in Asia yet. Um, no, how maybe they've it's got getting their... There. They've got their own things that are keeping them off track from God's word. Jeez, Mike. But next thing event. you're going to tell me there's no Santa Claus. Jeez, Debbie Downer, <laughs> man. You know, I almost Sorry. wore my perfect, Santa perfect suit tonight. <laughs> oh, that would have been good, too. Yeah, that been, especially with the beard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, first of all, I know there's no other life in this universe like i am 100 percent convinced we are it god specifically made this little marble in this gigantic universe special to show off and everything's for his glory yeah. we're told that the the you know this everything's for his glory everything all creation and people say well it's so vast and how can you be so arrogant to say we're the only ones well i don't think it's arrogance i think it's just common sense like unless you believe that we come from nothing and I do, I believe we do come from nothing. God made something out of nothing, but if things just pop out of nothing by themselves without intelligence, with no direction, it's easy for me to believe that there's nothing else in this universe. If God didn't create it, 
by the way, if all creation is fallen and we know it is, it's all corrupted by sin, then did, then Jesus would have had to die for these, you know, grays or for, you know, and the, the, what's the other one, the, the mantis or the, yeah, you know, mantis, the Nordics or the reptilians. Like it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I think what makes more sense is there is an awesome God who made an awesome universe and there's different realms. Obviously there's different spiritual realms and, and dimensions, whatever you want to call them. But I don't think it's far fetched to think we're the only ones. I don't. That's why I say go to the end of the book, see who's there. You know, we get we get to the end of Revelation and who's in heaven? Who made it? You know, the, the hosts of heaven, those around the throne, God and Jesus there, and the righteous descendants of Adam. And, there, and Adam was from earth, and all the righteous descendants of Adam are from earth. That's it. Nobody else makes it. No Klingons, no Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> definitely no romulans Oof. no <laughs> the romulans <laughs> i don't know i don't watch enough star trek to know all these terms but, uh, <laughs> i know the uh, just star wars terms not star trek anyway how about let's watch our first video tonight so you know i was thinking remember alistair crowley our old friend alistair crowley <laughs> that guy was something else man Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, with your little thing on, you kind of look like him. <laughs> um, I don't know. This guy was such a freak of nature. I mean, like his mom, it, I, I heard this before, but I was watching a video earlier and his mom was calling him, you little beast. You're, you're the beast. Like she was already implanting Satanism into him as a, as a kid, like when he was misbehaving. Um, so I thought that was kind of fascinating, but if you know anything about Aleister Crowley, I mean, this guy was all over the map with narcotics, sex, um, all kinds of rituals. He was delving into black magic, uh, tarot cards, seances. I mean, this guy was in everything except the right stuff. And, you know, he finds this thing called lamb, right? Supposedly he, he finds this creature lamb and I, the gray. The yes. gray, yeah. And I mean, come on, like it's this is in nineteen sixteen or eighteen or something like that. So check out this video, it's short, but uh check this out. Meditation and tantric magic with his scarlet woman Roddy, along with narcotics and fasting, was the basis of his ritual preparations to help him develop the ability to concentrate on visualizing Amalantra, a magical higher being. During 1918 in Montauk, New York, Crowley began a major magical ceremony, the Amalantra working. Its aim for Crowley was to contact Amalantra by opening a portal to other dimensions. This was a six-month piece of magical work which Crowley had to make preparations for by utilizing yoga, hashish, and chanting. So who is Amalantra? This sketch by Crowley is supposedly drawn from life and it was displayed publicly in 1919. The being in the picture has a large head with no obvious ears, a thin slit for a mouth, slant-shaped eyes, and a small, narrow nose. The drawing Crowley made of Amalantra, he actually called Lamb. 
Hmm. Kind of looks like that guy a little bit, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> My gosh. Yep. Very similar. What are the odds? Now, do you think, let's ask this question. Do you think that what Crowley saw influenced everything forward or were there grays before that that people were seeing? Because I don't really know. Hmm. That's a good question. No. Um, the older abductions stories that I've read about over the years, going back into the 70s, the 60s, they were seeing humanoids, not like the greys, but more like us. Even the ones that Betty and Barney Hill talked about were not greys. The greys came later. It was a Hollywood depiction, I believe, that, that drove that, you know, back from the time of Whitley coming out with the one that he showed. But it, it's changed over the years. The appearances have changed. You know, and keep in mind that the appearance that people encounter, there's never two that exactly look alike. They're always different. You know, it's just, and, and that's what I call one of the red flags that you have to consider. Why are you not seeing the same beings? Why is there always similar but not identical? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and same thing with craft, you know, the people that actually see crafts. There's never two of the same craft. Does MUFON, when you when you investigate, do you use uh, does MUFON use uh, sketch artists to do like to do these? You know, what did you see and and describe it to me type thing? Um, no, when you go out to do investigations, unless you're able to be that sketch artist, you're not going to have one available. Uh, MUFON doesn't have people available that we could put to use and you know have them do that. It would be nice if we were that organized, but we're not. We rely on the, the eyewitness to give us the best sketch that they can give us. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it makes sense to me that they would <clears throat> see slight differences based on their own imagination, mm -hmm. and those would be used by uh, the entities to, to kind of give them that experience. Whatever, whatever best... It, whatever it takes to best deceive you that's the thing this the whole, all the experiences are very personalized even if you look at the, the the famous encounter at the aerial school uh in zimbabwe in 1994 you know you got 60 eyewitnesses on that playground of, of 80 kids on the playground and they drew sketches to the best of their abilities and, and gave descriptions to the best of their abilities and they were all looking at the same event, but they described different craft, different beings, um, different experience, but all during the same event. You know, that that's another major red flag they have to consider is how is that even possible? I guess, I don't know, for me, just playing devil's advocate here. I mean, look, humans don't look alike. Yeah, we have twins and triplets and all that stuff kind of look alike, but... I could see, like, if there were such a thing, I don't believe there are, but if there were, I could see them looking different. So that wouldn't surprise me if they look a little different, but they're like, oh, well, they were gray, they had big eyes, but, you know, this one had a couple gray hairs sticking out of the side and a goatee or something. But, but I don't, the, the ships, that one would doesn't make sense because you would think if 
they have a design that works, they would use that same design just like we do. Uh, you know, we have planes that look the same. We have jet fighters look the same, helicopters, all that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I, there would definitely be variances in different types of craft, but I don't, I don't really think that them saying that the aliens look a little different uh, is a big deal. Now, however, when they say they're mantis or <laughs> something like that, I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah, that's the thing. They, it's not just a little bit of difference. It's usually a lot of difference. Oh. Like a lot in their their overall appearance? In the yeah, okay. in the appearance, in the features. Hmm. Now, are they are they different appearances grays, or are there, are there different appearances, different, I guess, species or whatever you want to call it? Like, has no, anybody ever reported, like, seeing an alien from Aliens? For example, like something. No. Okay, <laughs> that's more of a monster, I guess. That's not a personable, yeah. uh, something you interact with. So, but you've talked about the different. I mean, the Nordics and the, the other. Not just that. The grays. You don't see the grays look identical either. You know, they may be identical in one experience. You know, you're dealing with a number of them during the experience, but from experience to experience, the differences are vast. What do you think is going on, like, overall? I mean, we know it's demons and stuff like that, but what, what sparked this? Why all of a sudden, over the last 75, 80 years, has this thing just, like, blown up into this thing that... Ooh, ooh, pick me. Kind of a rhetorical question, but... Sci-fi, Let's hear Mike's, yeah. Sci-fi, starting with comic books, Absolutely. getting into movies. I mean, kids were reading sci-fi comics back in the 50s and 40s, you know, with, with uh, these types of you know, craft coming down and, you know, these, these types of stories. So that those kids, you know, is implanted into them at a young age. And then, you know, we all watched sci-fi growing up. And to me, that's, you know, that's the name of the game, but I might be yeah, wrong. That's probably the biggest contributor. I would think sci-fi. Cause if you look back in the 1800s, I mean, the only flying, what, when did the blimp come around? That was like what the late 1800s, 1880, something like that. I think. Yeah. Um, and that's when like flying things started appearing in the sky to people because they didn't know anything flew before that other than birds. Yeah. Wooden airships. Mm -hmm. The Indians saw, you know, flying canoes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Man. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Which makes sense, though. You know, I mean, you're the psyche of the culture is imprinted on you. So, of course, you're going to yes. dream things that are relevant in your culture or known yeah. technologically like and yeah the canoe was obviously something that indians knew very well and so i could totally see a canoe in the air flying and they'd be like oh wow you know like the gods have come down and brought flying canoes or something i don't it's just i mean it seems ridiculous but that does make sense we're very impressionable oh yeah i mean you just go to a hypnotist and let him you know you'll see how impressionable you are most of us, anyway, not everybody. Yes, absolutely. And we talked about that, you know, the people that go because of abduction experiences, you know, they go to hip, they go to hypnotists to get regressed to find out more about the story, the events that happened to them. But in essence, they're setting themselves up. They're they're suggesting to themselves that they're experiencers. So of course they're going to come out with a story. And it's very difficult to 
to rely on anything that comes out of hypnosis. If if it was something that person reported to their general, you know, the general practitioner, you know, said, Doc, I've been having these, you know, besides having other issues that you go to the doctor for, you just say, hey, while I'm here, uh, I've been having these dreams, you know, but nobody does that, you know, they, they search out intent, their intent on finding somebody who will listen to what's happening to them. And those are going to be those hypnotist UFO researchers that will be willing to take their large amounts of money to put them through a series of regressions to be able to get them to remember more than what they ever expected to remember. So that's a danger in the whole thing. They're setting themselves up to be the experiencer, you know, to have more to it. If they'd have just settled for, you know, I've had these dreams and just moved on, they wouldn't be dealing with us. Yeah, they got a picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've interviewed over 700 people that have had these so-called abductions. So it's, yeah. you know, I know there's probably people that are going to watch this or are watching right now where they're like, ah, I don't know. No, I believe it. I believe there's really aliens coming from some other dimension or, or whatever, or, or a planet. But at the end of the day, I mean, you've had, actually sat down with these people, interviewed them extensively, and saw a pattern. Yeah. And that pattern, I think, I don't know, for me, and I'm sure, Mike, it's the same for you. I mean, when you see a pattern and it becomes very recognizable, you start understanding what the truth is behind the pattern. I mean, that's just how it works. That's, you know, it's yep. methodical. So, you know, in your when I was reading your book, I remember there's a few accounts that... Uh, it's funny, the accounts are similar, but not similar. There's, they, they have little variations, but you can tell, like a dream, dreams can be uh, what you ate that day, it could be something you saw and your subconscious sure. and didn't even realize, and all of a sudden it pops in your dream, and it's this, somehow it makes sense in a dream, you wake up, it doesn't make any sense, you're like, what the heck was that? So I could see like how these abductions would be very similar thing, because it is interacting, like I said earlier, with your mind and your spirit, especially if they've got you in a state of paralysis or some kind of unconscious state where you're highly, they, they can suggest things and you're very impressionable during that state of mind. And, it, and I'm not discounting these people thinking it's real. I absolutely think they believe it's real. Um, and even like, you know, there's, there's people that have, uh, you know, marks on their body or things like that. I don't exactly understand that, but I do know in demon possession, you can see the very same thing marks on people's sure. bodies. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how the spirit realm interacts with, with the natural realm and causes harm like that, but it does happen. So I don't know. Have you ever, that's, that's something I wanted to ask you, Joe, have you ever talked to an abductee that actually had like, like an implant or something inside their body or thought they did? Oh yeah. A lot of them think they do. And the thing about the implants, we might've talked about this before, but we can cover it again. Keep in mind, these beings, these entities, they know everything about you, everything, because they've been around since you were born. They know more about you than what you remember about yourself. So if you were to pick up something in your body, however, from an accident or just brushed up against something and it gets in your body and it it's grown over. Basically, now you have an implant. But these entities will use that 
once you've hooked on to accepting yourself as an experiencer to support the experience, to support the delusion that you have now fallen for. You know, I got to go back to that time that I had an opportunity to talk to a doctor about this, a surgeon about this. I had uh, injured myself when I was working at uh, the boat company. I'd gotten a sliver of fiberglass in this finger. And a sliver of fiberglass, you can't remove by pulling it out because it's barbed. It'll break off in, under the skin. And then you got to dig it out or get it cut out. Well, I was already at that point. I had a sliver, a good size, go in my finger. And it <laughs> went to my supervisor and I said, uh, can you remove this? He goes, oh, no. He says, uh, you're going to have to get that removed. And uh, he said, we're going to have to get you down to the medical place and they're going to set it up to have that cut out. And I ended up going under surgery to have that thing lifted straight out of my finger, cut the, the finger, remove it straight out like that. and then. Two weeks later, I had to go back and uh, see the doctor, first time in his office, because uh, the first time I went in, I ended up going straight into surgery from the treatment center. And uh, when I got to his office, I'm sitting there waiting to, to talk to him, and I'm looking around the room, and uh, he had this three-foot by four-foot board on the wall with all this garbage attached to it and little pieces of paper saying what it was or where it was from or something, dates on it. And I asked him, I said, Can I, what is that board up there with all that stuff on it? And he says, those are things that I've cut out of people. And then I thought about it for a second and I said, can I ask you another question? He said, sure. I said, these people that you cut all those things out of, did they all know how they got them? And he says, most of them don't. It's just finally something irritated them to where they needed to come see somebody and have it taken out. And it was all natural stuff, you know, something had broken off under the skin and gotten them, you know, buried down in there. Tissue went around it, made a knot, and now it's bugging them or caught their attention and they want it removed. And I'm thinking, wow, this is just like UFOs. You know, 98% are misidentified, you know, but pretty much all of these were misidentified. Of course, you're already under the delusion that you're an experiencer, and now you come across something that is a lump under the skin somewhere, and you're going, oh, it must be an implant, you know? And believe me, there's a whole bunch of people out of there, that, around there, that'll take your money to help you get rid of implants, you know, just go into any new age metaphysical area in some town and uh, tell them you got an implant. Everybody wants to help you try and <laughs> dissolve it through all sorts of crazy things. Yeah, I've seen all that too. And uh, there's no implants that these entities are putting in you. Again, this is a misidentified object in you that's already been there that they knew about. They know where how you got it. You just don't remember, you know? And it, it's it's a real simple answer. You just don't have it. You know, you don't remember it. That's all. Well, what about the anecdotal stories? Like, okay, I know Ellie Marzulli has um, his Watcher series out. And one of them was these foreign objects and people. And this one guy, I think he's in Arizona. And Dr. Lear was the doctor. He was um, a sure. specialist. I, I know you know the story. Um, 
this guy had something in him and then they scheduled a date to get to get this thing removed from him and it did seem to have intelligence because it was moving around his body and even when they had it located with the x-ray um the thing or i think it was uh was it an x-ray or yeah i think it was x-ray it, it moved and then they're like well how is this thing moving it can't just move on its own unless it's intelligently you know remotely controlled or something like that and so you know i i've seen this a couple times and they finally la prays and he he you know in the name of jesus christ i command this thing to be to be seen blah 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 it goes on and on and then this thing all of a sudden shows up again and they remove it so I guess my question is, was that an intelligently controlled thing in his body, what object, whatever it was, or is this just, see, I, I don't know. This is where I get a little confused, Joe, because now I wouldn't say it's aliens, but it wouldn't surprise me if our own government was using people as lab rats and doing stuff like this. And then it gets mistaken as alien technology or something like that. And because the, when they pulled this thing out, it was supposedly a, um, some kind of material they had never seen before. They didn't know what it was. They knew they knew bits and pieces of it, and it was very odd looking. I mean, it wasn't like it didn't look. It looked like a rock almost. It was like really like it odd looked like garbage. Stuff. Yeah, and so I don't know what is like. How do you reconcile that with what we were just talking about? I have to say I don't have enough information on the event. We only get to see what they showed us. And I don't know that there might be more. I would like to see more of the information involving that event. Can the enemy use, does it have an intelligence? Yes. Does it have the ability to make things move? Yes. Is this something that they put into the person? I don't believe that. I believe that they have the ability to, to manipulate things. We know that through poltergeist activity. Could this be the same type of thing we were seeing? Sure. Could it be something the military is using? That's a possibility, but it's something we may never know about. You know, that one that you're talking about, I think that was in the guy's foot, if I remember. I think it was like, yeah, in his leg, and it moved. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, kind of strange place to put something that's supposedly an implant, you know, that they're tracking you with. I guess, you know. Joe, you make a good point, though. I mean, it could be, if, if it's demonic, and we know it is, of course the spirit being could move the thing around and you wouldn't sure. see it and it would look like it's moving right. under its own control. So yeah, I didn't even think about sure. that. Yeah. You hmm. know, it, the, the, the outcome of that story is that it left the impression with them that this is an actual physical object from physical beings. That was the outcome from that story. And that's, the deceptive part of all of this. Mm -hmm. That's what these entities want us to believe. But in essence, that's not what we're seeing. Yeah, they don't really need a tracking device when they know your whole history no. and they've been around forever. Yeah, that, no. that wouldn't make it's sense. Just, it's just more to perpetrate the delusion. My, uh, I, I, we had a question on uh, Rumble. Can hypnosis open one's self to experience if they're already saved? Yes. So if they're That's pursuing a dangerous, it. It's a dangerous place to be dabbling in because we're told not to free the mind in that way. 
we're told to meditate on the word of God. If you want to meditate, meditate on God's word. Mm-hmm. Do not free the mind and open it up to whatever is available to come in and affect you. And that's in essence what you're doing is giving over that will. I've experienced hypnosis and I know the power of it. Um, before I was a believer, years ago in my bad days, um, I was a smoker and I was at work with a bunch of guys that I work with. And uh, one of them mentioned that, hey, there's this uh, famous hypnotist coming to town and he's doing this big smoking cessation event uh, at this big hotel. And for, I think it was like 50 bucks uh, to get a ticket. You know, you go and you go through a, a mass hypnosis event and it helps you quit smoking. And I thought, eh, you can't hypnotize me. You know, I thought you just can't do that. You know, I, I wasn't gullible enough to, to go under hypnosis and, and I just didn't believe it would work on me. But I thought, what the heck, I, I'm willing to give it a try with you guys. You know, if you need to support, I'll go with you. Whatever. If it works, great. If it don't, you know, so be it. I'll just find another way to stop down the road. So we went to this event and there had to be 500 people in this auditorium, in this hotel, this conference hall. And there was these giant bins. I mean, they were like six feet across, three feet high, stationed around inside the place. And we were all sitting at tables like at a like at a wedding reception, you know, a bunch of people at round tables. But there was these other round bins around inside there. I didn't know what they were for. But as we started into the event, the guy was telling us all, he started out by telling us all the bad things about smoking, you know, to build up the idea in your head that this is not a good thing that you're doing. Okay, this is building up that power of suggestion. You know, this is how the hypnotists work. It's all suggestion anyway. That's that's what they're using to, uh, to sway us and, and convince us. Just like stage hypnotists. And basically, that's what this guy was. He's just doing the whole crowd at one time. And then he told us how this would work. And I thought, yeah, right. This ain't going to work. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, all right, let's go along with it. And he, he, he goes and tells us how he's going to take it step by step. He's going to count down. We're going to go into the hypnotic state. He's going to continue to... To, to give us the rapport about how the whole thing and build up in our mind that this is not a good thing, that we shouldn't be doing this, that it's better for us if we stop. He was going to implant all that during the hypnotic regression. And I thought, yeah, 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 whatever. So he starts his countdown. You know, five, four, three, two, one. And then all of a sudden I realized that his voice is in a like drone ball, 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 like that. And then I also realized that I got this string or a drool hanging down. <laughs> and I'm, I'm leaning, hunched over. And I couldn't move. I could hear him talking. I could think things, thoughts to myself. But I was absolutely frozen. And I'm going like, oh, my God, this is actually working. You know, I'm under a and I'm in a position where he's got control. And this went on for I don't know how long. And then at the end, he tells us, you know, we're going to go to a break. And when, you, when you're when you out on the break, 
you're going to realize that you no longer have the, the sensation to have a cigarette. And when you come back in, you're going to deposit all of your cigarettes and packs inside these big giant bins. So he, take, he counts us back out of the regression. And I'm going, wow, let's wipe all the drool off my mouth, too. And I'm looking around, and everybody else is doing the same thing, you know. And we all got up. We went to break. Nobody said a word. We walked outside, and right by the time, you know, we should be lighting up the cigarette, uh, everybody's just standing there like dumbfounded. And then everybody started walking back in and dumping all their cigarettes in these big bins, and they filled right up. And I'm thinking, wow, this is weird. And now he's going to take us into this next session because he's not just doing smoking. He's doing eating disorders, too. So he puts us under again to help with eating disorders because some people are there for because they can't control their weight. They eat too much. And also because when you quit smoking, you're going to replace the smoking, this part, with eating. So he does them both. So back under we went. There I am again. I can't move. I, I can hear him droning out. I got the drool coming down again. And then he says, you know, you're going to lose your urge to want to eat. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. And we get out of this thing when we're done. And uh, none of us want a cigarette. This was absolutely amazing. There was no sensation of a craving at all of wanting a cigarette. All of us. And it wasn't until the next day that I realized how powerful this hypnotic regret, hypnotic thing was, is it was near the end of the day at work. We're all talking about all this. And I asked somebody, I said, have you eaten anything since yesterday at the event? He goes, no, I haven't been hungry. And I'm going, I haven't either. I have no hunger for anything. And I got to thinking about it. And this went on for the next day. I still hadn't eaten nothing. A couple of the guys did start to eat. Still weren't smoking. I wasn't smoking. And then I'm, I'm like, now I'm freaking out. I'm like, how long can we go with not eating? You know, when does it kick in that I can eat again? And it freaked me out. And it after about the third day, I finally just said, you know, I got to break this. So I lit up a cigarette. And that ended it all. But it was that powerful. And I'm the guy that said, you can't hypnotize me, you know? But it yeah. was all suggestion, you know, putting you in that state. And just think if you had already made the suggestion in your own mind mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm an experiencer, you know? And all he's going to do is put you under and say, oh, tell me about what happened. And these entities are going, yeah, baby, we're going to give you a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's dangerous. Very but not do it as a believer. I do not use hypnotic regression when I inter people, interview people about their experiences. I've learned as a safety professional and as a MUFON investigator over the years how to ask the right questions. I can sit a person down and I'll have them go through their, their story and what i'll do is i'll say stop right there let's where you're sitting in the experience look to your left look to your right tell me what you see you know it's just a matter of getting them to stop and focus on what they're missing because if it happened to them they didn't miss it they're just not remembering it as in the forefront of their consciousness 
because it's not that important to them. Mm -hmm. But in a real life event, all those memories are there. But during these experiences, they're not there. And the reason they're not there is because they never happen. Not all of the memory is there of a full in-depth experience if it was a real life event. There's always pieces missing because these entities didn't give you that part in their spiritual visionary dream that they gave you. They only gave you enough sensational impacting story to get you to believe what's real. They don't need to give you all the detail. It is powerful. I know I've been, yeah. they've tried to hypnotize me and I've never been hypnotized, but um, maybe as I get older, probably because my eyes aren't so good, so I can't follow the little <laughs> thing going back and forth. I don't know. It doesn't Wait, even take go? that though. Yeah. If I've looked at, I've looked at what it would take to be a hypnotist over the years, you know, just to see, you know, what's involved, how does it work? And there's actually triggers that they can use without using a, you know, this thing that goes back and forth. It's just a matter of they can grab your wrist with a couple fingers, their thumb and your two fingers on the, on the side and just give you a quick tug. And that's enough to, to jerk you into that state to where they can move in on you from that point. If you watch the videos on that, it's fascinating because that's what they call a trigger. And it doesn't have to be. It can be a touch on the shoulder. That's all it takes to get you to go under. Which would make these... sense. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, it reminds me of these um, these big time faith healing gatherings, you mm -hmm. know, where the people are all falling out and they're going up on the stage and the guys, you know, touching their head and they're falling on the ground and all of that. It reminds me of the same thing, a hypnosis type yeah. environment. But it's the build up first. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the suggestion, and then it's the trigger, that jerk of the body, that that throws you off. It puts you in a state of confusion. That's what the trigger does. And that's where you're susceptible. Yeah, and think about it. If humans know those trigger points, what do you think the demonic realm knows about the human exactly. body and what can be done, especially in the exactly. mind? Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty scary. All right, what do you say we go to another video here? This is Sue. She was 56 years old, and she's been experiencing abductions since she was a child, and now her children are experiencing them. Sue's 56. She's experienced abduction since childhood. They've been very traumatic experiences for her. In the course of time, she's managed to overcome her fear, among other things, by painting her visitors. It was so scary to me when I think about it, but then when I finally could, was able to paint it, then it didn't seem so scary to me. His face doesn't look that scary. He almost looks like he has a, a look of wonderment. But you remember precisely having seen this, yeah. this face? When, when was it? The first abduction Sue remembers clearly well, occurred when she was 19. A pulsating blue light woke her as it made its way across the bedroom. Sue was in bed, terrified and unable to look at it. They're here, she thought. But who are they? Her thoughts made no sense at all. She heard her mother get up, call her, and then go back to bed. Terrified, Sue found the courage to turn around. It was then she noticed two small gray beings. Then she passed out. The next day, her mother confirmed that she did get up after hearing a noise in her daughter's room, but that some sort of a force compelled her to go back to bed. Gradually, Sue would come to realize that she'd been abducted since childhood, but simply didn't understand what was happening. That was really, when I was 19, was the first time that I remembered seeing these beings when I was a kid, coming into the room and um, 
waking up and finding them standing next to your bed and being terrified and um, feeling that I remember feeling that the world was just not a safe place, that there was nowhere that was safe, that no matter where I went or what I did, um, that they could find me and that nobody could help me. Nobody could, nobody could stop it. It was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> scary way to grow up. And, um, so as I got older, that's what bothered me so much with my kids, was knowing that they were also being visited and there was nothing I could do about it. Nothing she could do about it, Joe. Yeah, it's pretty sad. But we know there is something she can do about it. She can break that cycle, not just for herself, but for her kids too. Best, best kept secret in the, the whole phenomenon. It's a shame because it is such a simple thing to do. It's this is not yeah. difficult. There's not some long manual you got to read to figure this out. I mean, the, the Bible could be considered the manual, but we know that it's that name, the name above all names that yeah. drives these things out. And it's you, she had that weird reaction at the end, too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure she's got demonic stuff going on inside of her. Also, she needs deliverance. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's sad because these people, I mean, okay. So her first experience was at 19. She's 56. I mean, that's 37 well, that years. Yeah. That she remembers. Yeah. So 30, at least 37 years of this going on. It probably goes back to her mom and dad sure, and their mom and dad. I mean, this is a generational thing. It sounds like, and yeah. she just thinks there's no escape. So she's just going to draw a picture, you know, paint pictures of it and, and embrace it like Stockholm syndrome or something. Yep. Absolutely. But to me, that would deepen what's going on, doing doing yeah. things like painting and focusing on it. And oh man, but there is hope. You know, it's uh, yeah, but it's not a hope they want. Mm -hmm. They want a different hope because I I just dealt with this on a a recent podcast I did a week or so ago. You know, I was uh, I was invited on to talk about my research, and there were four people on the show. Um, and two of them were just adamant at trying to break this research down. Um, typical way that I've, I've had to deal with this over the years with, with many people is they just didn't want to hear the research itself. You know, they wanted to come after me and, and, and try to discredit the research, you know. Uh, one of the guys that was on the show he was a Catholic and he, he kept mentioning that, you know, I was actually going to be a priest at one time, you know, well, that doesn't mean anything to me, but when we got into, you know, he says, how do you, what do you base this on? And I said, well, I base it on God's word. And then right away, he was the one that came in and tried to invalidate God's word. Well, it's been changed so many times, which what you call God's word. And I knew right there, you know, I was going to have a problem with this guy, you know, because there's there's nothing that I could base any of this on as as a foundation. I mean, a foundation that he should have had as a professing Christian, you know, but actually he was a professing traditional Catholic where he was following the rituals and, you know, what was being said by the papacy instead of what God's word was saying, 
You know, there's nothing I could use in that that interview about God's word that they would accept as being God's word. You know, it, it was fascinating uh, <laughs> podcast in a way. I had to keep redirecting them back to the testimonies. I said, you know, this is not about me. This is about testimonial evidence that these people can be helped that are having this horrible experience. And it's like they had no consideration for these people that wanted help. Uh, it wasn't, they didn't want that at all. They didn't want that help. You know, the other guy was an absolute atheist. But best thing about that talk, though, was is he stayed on afterwards. And I had an opportunity to spend about, you know, 35, 40 minutes with him sharing the true gospel. Because at least he was open to finding the truth, you know. He was open to hearing and, and giving me an opportunity to share the true gospel message and, and answer questions that he had about it. You know, he had just been taught wrong about what Christianity was about. You know, they kept using the term religion. This is about religion. I said, it's not about religion at all. I said, I've yet to mention a religion in any way. I said, you guys have mentioned religion, but I haven't. I said, I'm talking about a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. Man, they just did not want to deal with that. They did not want to allow the testimonies to be valid, you know, and, and that's the thing that I've had to deal with for so long. That's why when I do my talks, I bring testimonials up on the stage with me and I say, don't trust me, trust the evidence. And I bring you the evidence, not fuzzy pictures, not fuzzy videos. I bring you living evidence. Talk to these people. Let them tell you what their lives were like. Let them tell you what their lives are like now. And you will see that these people have terminated this experience as a life pattern. You will see that what I'm telling you is true. But you need to talk to the evidence. You need to test the evidence. And I bring them here for you. You know what? Nobody ever talks to them. They're afraid because they know that if they're real, then they've got to deal with the issues in their own lives. And mm -hmm. that is the bottom line. That's what they don't want to do. It reminds me of, so, you know, since I've moved to South Texas, I've gotten into a church that does soul winning, door-to-door -door soul winning. And we go, we preach, we preach the gospel door-to-door -door on Saturdays. And one thing I've noticed when I go and I talk to people is that people that are very um, into their religion, whether it be Catholicism or any other religion, you know, even if they go to one of these evangelical churches and they're not saved, but they've been baptized, so to speak, or they believe that it's what they do that gets them to heaven and not Jesus, right? Sure. Uh, it's very difficult to break that down. It's, it's yeah. very difficult. They're very resistant. They want to debate. They don't want it to be not about them. They don't want to think that, uh, and it's weird too, because it's like, it's such a free, it's a free gift and it's easy. And yeah. they don't want it to be easy. They 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 want it to be. They want to be involved. They want to be the one that gets themselves there. And you know, so did the rich man. That's why the rich man walked away right. from Jesus grieving because he said he said right. what what good thing can I do? He didn't say what must I do to be saved. He said what good <laughs> thing can I do? And so Jesus gave him the good thing he can do. And he's like, oh yeah. man, because he was lying when he said I followed all the commandments from my childhood. So that 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 in itself, you know, it's it's. It, 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 it's so interesting to meet people who claim to believe what the Bible says, but they're so resistant. At the, when you show them clearly, here's what it says. No, 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 no. 
because my priest said this or my, yeah. you know, my favorite teacher said that. And yeah. It's very interesting. And then you meet somebody who they're not religious at all and ask them, hey, you want me to show you how you can be sure you can go into heaven? Yeah, sure. Show me, you know, and it's, it's pretty interesting to see that, you know, that change among the, you know, very, I, I would say, devout religious versus somebody who might be either lukewarm or maybe just never really thought about it, you know, just sure. kind of gone through life and never considered it. And so it sounds similar, you know, where people have the evidence right in front of them, but, oh, that's tough. If I swallow that pill, it means a whole lot more yeah. than, you know, what I want it to, what I want it to be. Well, see, that's, that, that's where they're, they're believing a lie because it, it's, it's, they, again, they're, they're still thinking that they have to do something. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me, you know, back when, when I was actually went for baptism. Before I get to that, though, a point you made about people believing it's hard. I'll admit, you know, because I didn't become a believer until I was 36 years old. It was very hard. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. The hardest thing I had to do ever in my life was to take that stand for Jesus Christ. Absolutely the most difficult thing ever experienced until I did it. Mm-hmm. And then I looked back and I go, that was the easiest thing I ever did in my life. Same here. Yes. You uh, know? I, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I hear you. If you're one of these people that haven't, you know, given your life to Christ yet. Now, when I went to baptism, it was a neat experience. There were five of us that day. And my pastor says, I only have one thing for you guys. I know most of you, and I know what your lives have been like. Contrary to what you have been told, there's nothing you have to do to come to Jesus. Nothing (laughs) you have to do, but you will. You'll want to do things because you did come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that you have to do to come to Jesus. Nothing. You come as you are. That was that so, was the difficulty so for me. I, I remember what reading the what was it, the purpose driven life when I was deployed and got right to right to the gospel, you know, the plan of salvation, and I closed it, put it under my bunk. And yeah. then the next year my sister led me to the Lord, but up to that point, I was under I was under the false understanding that there was something I had to do. Yeah, I had you to clean worthy. up. Yes, I had to clean up, and that's the thing. That's the whole reason we need salvation, right? Because we're not yeah, worthy. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so it's so odd, but yes, you're right. Because as soon as I as soon as I crossed over, I turned back and go, what 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 was I waiting for? What what yeah. what was that all about? But it's it is it it's difficult coming to that decision when you've kind of heard about it, but you don't know the full picture and you haven't gotten a full understanding, but I'm glad my sister presented it to me the way she did because I got saved that moment and I've never looked back. Thank you, Lord. Michael, I, I don't know if you noticed, and this might be a kind of an awkward moment, but, um, (sighs) Joe, I hate to bring this up. Uh, you mentioned you were on other podcasts and, um, we have a, 
writ of exclusive exclusivity here. Uh, I know you signed that contract the first time you came on the show, and you went on all these <laughs> other podcasts without us knowing. The legal team here at Blender will be reaching out to you. Uh, you'll be served papers. I, I'm sorry. I just, it's a little awkward live like this, bringing that up. I, I apologize. Exclusive. <laughs> I couldn't say the word exclusivity. That's oh, man. Well, no. by far, how many, I have no idea how many hours I've spent with you guys. So <laughs> it's, believe me, it's been exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Yeah. None of the other podcasts are probably as long as ours. That's for sure. Especially that first one we did for the marathon of five hours or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. What do you say? We get to another video. Let's go with uh, Stephen Greer. How are you able to tell which one of these are man-made versus E.T.? At a great distance, you would know. If you're up close enough, the man-made ones are going to have components, protrusions, electromagnetic, often seams, welding marks. Underneath, there could be pipes. It's very clearly a man-made machine. The extraterrestrial ones, seamless. They're extruded in this process of how they create them. Uh, even the light they give off is very different because it's coming through such pure material science. I would love to get Dr. Jacques Vallée to release this document he has from 1985. It's a CIA official document, and it describes the CIA conducting alien abductions in Brazil and Argentina, quote, for their psychological warfare value. I guess I should have played that a little earlier, but anyway. What's your comments on that one, Joe? I know Stephen Greer, he's kind of like, let's see, if there was like a Hall of Fame of UAP, UFO, alien <laughs> abduction guys, he's probably near the top, I would think. They probably have a gold bust of them there, maybe uh, in uh, Roswell or something. I don't think they do with Roswell, not that I've seen no. No, okay. <laughs> you know he, he's he's correct on he's correct on a lot of points. It's but that's the danger in Stephen Greer. He's he's correct on so many things that people that follow him, you know, accept it all, and that's where the danger comes in with snake oil salesmen and false prophets. You know, they bring you a lot of truth, but it's that little bit of lie that pollutes that truth that gets you in trouble. You know, he's talking about. How do you know the difference between, you know, we're dealing with something bizarre or something that's probably man-made? And I, I brought to my thinking here that uh, I'd like to read with you the month. I get a monthly report from MUFON. And the monthly report gives a breakdown of the number of sightings by country and then by the states in the U.S., and then it goes into the findings report, all the reports break it down by what is the shape of the object that was seen. And then it goes down to distances and, you know, breaking it down like that. This is how you query through all the reports. But just because of what he was talking about there, looking at the shapes out of Oh, man, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds per month. This is the ones for last month. The leading description of 88 was a circle. That's, that's just this. That's all it is, a circle. The second at number 60, 65 reports was a sphere. Okay, so it's still a circle, but a, a whole sphere. 
they were able to see the, the 3D effect of it. And then the third one is other, whatever other is, at 41, followed by triangles at 36, unknown at 27, starlike at 23, disc 18. So it gets way down to, you know, the one, two, three, seventh one down where it actually looks like what people refer to as a flying saucer, a disc shape. There are only 18 of those out of hundreds. Cigar shape, 15, square rectangular, 14, oval, 14, cylinder, 12, uh, NA, 9, tic-tac, 9, you know, so nothing that looks, you know, that's that's right in the field of, hey, that looks like, you know, a metallic craft. We're just, they're not there. They're seeing shapes, that's it, you know. A lot oh, of just shapes. Does any of the reports like suggest that there was lights on some of these craft or wasn't lights? Uh, they were Sometimes, spinning, yes. you know, erratic behavior, yeah. things like that. Yeah, they do get into that detail in this in the cases themselves. So that MUFON report. Oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, it just makes me question what was just said by Stephen Greer. You know, he's talking about the the clear distinction between man-made and alien technology. And it's like, well, where are you observing all this alien technology when the reports <laughs> coming in are shapes? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. But no, what rubs me the wrong way with Stephen Greer is that he's literally teaching people how to manifest these things, how to yes. get these things into their lives. And that absolutely, I mean, that is complete stark, you know, that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do by sharing the gospel. It's, it's, it's pulling people away from the gospel even more. He's, he's almost become their disinfo agent, yeah. you know, their current, yeah. their current disinfo agent on the earth. And a lot of people follow this guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, he's making money off of it too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot. And Joe, you mentioned false prophets. I mean, that that's kind of his role in this, right? I mean, he's yeah. kind of this been lifted up as this guy that, has seen things and heard things and you know like he always it does seem like in a lot of his interviews that i've watched the government's always there well i have an informant or i have you know a guy that's you know some people that are reaching out to me and tell me things which i'm not saying he doesn't he probably does uh just because of his stature now in the community and all that sure. but at the same time like do we take it at face value or do we question it i mean we've learned if anything oh my gosh if we've learned anything in the last 10 years we understand the media is totally corrupt. We understand that propaganda is everywhere. So why would we believe a narrative coming out of, you know, the UFO community and say, okay, well, yeah, this must be true. Like there's always, to me, there's always an ulterior motive. It just seems like, and money, money's a big one. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, everybody that's watching, uh, Joe comes onto the show because we ask him to come on. We're not paying him to come on here. He's not making money doing this. He's spending his time with us. He's giving us his time to come on the show. And that's why, you know, that's why I like talking to you because you're sharing the information and there's not a paywall in front of you. Um, no. You know, pay me, pay me for this information. Well, once the pay comes in, I'm wondering, you know, well, if, if, if you're selling it, then it would benefit you to fabricate more uh, sure. fantastic stories. 
Sure. So. And I can give you a fantastic story. Really. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> no, we, I bet. We've but actually I... talked about this at length before where we said, yeah. like, you, you know all these guys. You've been around them. Yeah. You've been to the conferences and all that stuff. And you know exactly what it takes to sell a book and make money. And you haven't yep. sold out to that crowd. You haven't, you know, went with your peers and said, yep, I'm going to do this and I'll just, you know, go on a tour and do the whole thing and, you know, kick back and enjoy the benefits. I, that, that is, you know, very commendable. And I'm, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because there's lots of guys that are doing that. There's lots of now, Christians that are doing that. I hate to say. There are. And now that's yeah. all that's been said. We need to promote Joe's book. I, I mean, we, I want to, I want to, because it, 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 it people need to read what's in there. Um, sure. it's, it's, I'm just, it, I'm being joking, jokingly bringing it up at this point, but yes, we do need to let people know. Well, there they are. Might as well show them, right? Uh, available on Amazon still, Joe? Yes. Pierce the Cosmic the, Veil. Unholy Communion. The, 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 Pierce the, Cos the Pierce and the Cosmic Veil is one that, um, that I'm promoting on uh, Amazon. Uh, Dave Rafino owns the other one, the rights to the other one. I don't. Um, that was one that was done a long time ago. Uh, the Pearson and Cosmic Veil was just done a couple of years ago. And just so people understand, since we're talking about the money part of it, um, I am selling books. Amazon, people are buying them. But what I do with these books, and it's the money that comes in from the books, if anybody has ever worked with Amazon and self-published on Amazon, um, the way that works is, and you're aware of it, is that Amazon will, you, you can set a price on Amazon and they get a portion of the book sale. You can get your book up there with no cost. Okay. I'm, I'm advertising for Amazon now. If you want to self-publish through Amazon, it won't cost you a dime to put your book up there. Okay, go through the process. It, it tells you how to do the whole setup, get a picture cover and everything. Uh, and it gets you set up to where, boom, it's it's print on demand. Okay, so there's no upfront money that has to be paid to get the book into print. It's print on demand. What happens is, is I get a royalty from the book sales. But I can also, as the author of the book, I can go into the, uh, the page that they have that is my page for, for that book, all the information on it. I can see the sales on it and the taxes on it and all that. Um, I can actually order books at author cost. Now, why would I do that? Because at author cost, I can have books drop ship at author cost in hard in in paperback by the box at a conference I'm going to, let's say, and I can give them the address and they'll drop ship them right to there and I don't have to carry them on a plane and check them in as luggage and all of that stuff. So that's a neat thing that you can do through Amazon. What I do with the ability to buy them at author cost. Because at author cost, it only costs me $5.65 per book, okay? So I take the profits of what are sold of the books that I'm selling on Amazon for $19.95, and I take that money and I turn around and I buy books at author cost, which I pretty much give away. Because my whole concept behind putting the book out there 
is I want people to hear the story first before they buy the book. That's the way most people come across the book on Amazon is because they've heard the research and they've heard the findings. They just want something tangible in their hand to share with somebody else. So that's the concept is, you know, I can take a lost soul and say, hey, why don't you come have a cup of coffee with me and let me tell you about my life and how your life could be a lot better through Jesus Christ. So I take you to Starbucks, cost me $5.65 for a cup <laughs> of coffee, and I can share you the gospel message and a hope for your life. I can do the same thing by giving you that book because the same message is in there, okay? Especially with people in this realm that need to be talked to and they're looking for that hope, like that woman in the video. Mm -hmm. I would give her a copy of the book, okay? And if I got them in my hand, I can sign them and give you a signed copy. And that feels real personal to a person when you do that. I can't tell you how many I've given away at work. I have them sitting on my desk where people can see them when they walk by. And a lot of people walk by and they go, are you an author? And I go, yeah. And they'll look at the book and they'll say, I'll ask them, I say, does this interest you, this, this subject matter? Oh, yeah, I watch all those shows. And I'm going, here. I'll just grab a book and sign it. And I go, and here you go. And off they go. That may be the only time they ever get to read the gospel message because it's in the book. It gives a whole understanding of what this phenomenon looks like from a Christian perspective and one that has answers where their perspective doesn't. So that's what I do with the money I make from my book. It's not to live off of. I've been blessed with an amazing job, you know, of my dreams, I, uh, a wife that is just awesome, you know, and those blessings, I believe, are coming because I do God's work. You know, I'm not in this for the money. Mm -hmm. I, I base that on what I learned a long time ago when I first became a believer, where God made promises to us, you know, Jesus said it in scripture, he said, for those that do my work, I will meet your needs. And I took that as a promise. And I've never taken money for this. I don't take money for when I do talks. I don't charge for a talk. If you want to donate to the, to the cause where I can help other people, sure, that's what it'll go for. But if somebody wants me to talk at a conference, they say, you know, what's it going to take to get you here? How much does it cost for you to come talk? And they don't cost you anything to come, you know, to talk. I said, get me there, get me home, and talks for free, you know, whatever you want to do with it. And that's the way I've always worked. I didn't, I had a, a partner in the beginning that thought that this was something we needed to do full time as ministry. God was going to take care of us. We could quit our jobs and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I didn't get that from God. God said, just take this message back out to where you came from. He didn't say it was going to be all that. And the poor guy just, you know, he got discouraged. He thought God let him down because it didn't happen. And uh, I stayed true to this all the way to now, even. I don't take anything for this. It's not for my, my living every day. You know, God takes care of me. He's done what he promised so that I can continue to do his work. You know, it, it's just like tithing. Tithing is a supernatural experience. You know, God says, you want to test me? Here's a way that works. Here's a way I can show you how I'm God. You know, because people give you amazing testimonials on tithing too. Same type of thing. 
you know, they, they don't have the money to give, but they still give in faith. And it's like they never lost the money at all. You know, it's amazing stories. And it's, I'm telling you, my life's been the same way because of it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, speaking of stuff. talks, do you, do you have any talks coming up? Um, I got one coming up in May in Pittsburgh. It's a MUFON conference in Pittsburgh. I'll be speaking at first time at a MUFON conference. Awesome. I just did a conference here uh, a couple of months ago here in Titusville, Florida. I'm in the process of uh, getting it uploaded to a YouTube channel and the whole conference will be free to watch on YouTube. Um, it was uh, my partner, uh, my co-author of the book, Jason December, starts out giving his testimonial of his experiences and then followed by, uh, uh, what's his name, Robert Spearing, the international director of MUFON Investigations. I had him come and he gave the, the best of 2022 um, cases that they had. And he did a great job showing that the phenomenon's real. And then it followed with Guy Malone from Roswell, and he did his talk on the alternative view of uh, the Roswell 1947 event, where it, it looks to be that the cover-up was because our government did something really bad. And uh, it's it's a fascinating talk. And then I came up at the end and wrapped it all up with the talk that I do. Uh, I've got two talks up on the site right now. My, my son's putting it all together, editing it. He filmed it, and he's editing it. Uh, my talk and guys is up there, but I don't really want it to go live yet until I've got uh, all four of them up there where you can watch it in its entirety. Um, I can give you the title of it in case people do want to go, though, because they're going to be up there by the time you get this out you know, soon. It's uh, UFOs, UAPs, Threat or Hope. That's the page on uh, on YouTube. And like I said, they, I got two of the talks up there now, but the other two are coming up. The way we put this conference together was to slowly build into this and then bring it home at the end with my talk. I had six people up on that stage as living testimony, and uh, it was a powerful conference. And I just wanted to be able to make it available so that people that want to witness to others and don't know how to do it, people that do agree with the findings that I've got that this is demonic, that the, and they, they want to be able to take it and reach somebody else. This is why we designed the conference in this way. So we can take you through and let you judge for yourself. Is this a threat or is there a hope? Yeah, that's the page there. And it, 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 it absolutely blew away the people that were in the audience, the way that it came together. And uh, I think everybody that watches this in its entirety, once it's up there, is going to feel the same way. You know, it's, one more thing I want to add to your repertoire, Joe, is that Danielle, actually, in the chat, you actually spoke to her. You didn't charge mm -hmm. her. You didn't send her a bill in the mail no. uh, about her experiences. I know there's other people I've referred to you. And, like, that's what I – yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, Mike, because Joe does graciously give us his time. I mean, this is the seventh time on the show – we spend lots of hours on here together. He freely divulges everything he's learned in his experience at MUFON and in his Christian walk. 
And it's just awesome being able to share it with you. Because I remember when Mike says, yeah, there's that guy from CE4 Research. And, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, I used to love watching his stuff. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, and, and I, I'm like, I'm going to send him an email. And in my mind, I'm like, he's not going to answer the email. <laughs> it's probably going <laughs> to, he's got some spam folder for idiots with microphones, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> but then you're like, <laughs> but then idiots like with within minutes, you call back or you uh, email me back. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he emailed me back. And I text Mike. I'm like, hey he's he's gonna come on like this is crazy so yeah and we've had this great relationship since and um we're just so thankful for all you do your ministry and everything there and you know this is joe i'm sure you've experienced this with christians can be some of your hardest critics oh yeah and i'm sure you've experienced what do you mean that's a ministry <laughs> doesn't look like yeah. a ministry to me have you heard no, that at it's all? different oh yeah i have yeah. It's different, but you talk to the people that have I, you know, that I've been able to help over the years, and they'll tell you, yeah, this was this was a ministry that I definitely needed. You know, there was nobody else out there to reach out to. You know, that poor gal in that video that says, you know, there's no hope. You know, it, it's amazing that 30 years later, so many people are just now hearing about the work that I do, and I've been at this for 30 years. You know, it, I did a talk in uh, outside of Cleveland. At a, at a small church uh, just outside of Cleveland back uh, a month ago and uh, had a great opportunity to, to, to give the, the message there. I did a three hours on Saturday, um, a talk with them and they had a pretty good packed house. And then they asked me back on Sunday and I had about 45 minutes. So I gave my personal testimony on that one. And I rarely do that because I want the focus to be on the volume of testimonies, not on my my own. Because uh, that's the way that you get people to want to come at you personally. But it was uh, it was it was a well received, and and you know I reminded them that you know in the 25 years doing this as a believer, they were probably the fifth church that I ever had an opportunity to talk at, and that's pretty sad. Wow. You know, I've talked at more UFO conferences than I have in, mm -hmm. uh, than I have actual churches. Yeah, because the church they're, doesn't want to admit it's a problem. No, they don't. They're they're terrified of the subject. The modern know, day church is very weak when it comes to this yeah. kind of stuff. And I, I gave them a good warning, and I'd like to give it here too. You know, I, I told them at when I did my personal testimony. You know, I told them I. I came up here, I was asked to come up here to help you help you witness to others that are part of this delusion. And I've given you all the tools, like on Saturday when I came up and I did the three hours worth of information that they were gonna turn into a video. And I left plenty of my books for them. You know, everybody had an opportunity to get a book if they wanted. And uh, I told them on Sunday, I said, you know, I want you to clearly understand how powerful this is, this delusion is. I said, you know, you can be an alcoholic and still be a Christian. You can be into pornography and still be a Christian. You can be dealing with any crazy sin and still be a Christian. But you cannot be involved in this phenomenon and be a Christian because this phenomenon doesn't allow it. This one is a game changer. I'm just Definitely thinking a game about, changer. I'm thinking about the, you know, 
soul winning and talking to people about Jesus and how your how you, you the testimonies that you've gathered how that can pull somebody out of that new age thinking that they can be so deep into yeah. um and 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 how maybe they can be so deep into that that you know they're not willing to hear anybody else's perspective on anything when it comes to spirituality um but but by reading and understanding that there's this pattern here it could get them to where they're ready to hear about sure. the gospel um and so i think that to me it makes sense to to hit this group with this from from the perspective it's 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 not the same perspective but it's it's coming it's it's coming from that same world as far as what what is this what is it we're looking at what are these things we see in the sky what are these experiences we're having and i just wish that it was amplified i wish your message was amplified because there's so many others with the the more sensational message that are getting all of the which i mean that's how the world goes you know the sensational sure. message always gets all the attention and then you have the person telling the truth over here and they're like hey guys but you do you know you i think you do get lots of exposure and the right people that are looking for the truth are going to find um your information and i and like i say always you know if you're sincerely looking for the truth and you're not letting yourself get in the way of it you're going to land on jesus you're going to eventually find that the truth ends and begins with jesus sure. um but unfortunately we see a lot of people who say they're looking for the truth but they'll stop short because you know misconceptions or other voices are telling them you know the opposite and so i think it's an excellent way to you know uh I guess go after or engage i should say engage with people that are real deep into this uh this ufo um phenomenon thinking that it's real that these that these entities are, are really here and um ultimately what we see here is a, is an image of antichrist you know we see mm -hmm. a similar a similarity to what revelation shows us that you know these people are looking for a unity they want something to unite humanity which the Antichrist will do. Yep. Um, and they're looking for it from above. The Antichrist is going to show these flying signs and wonders. And um, this kind of plays into that whole end times thinking that we know is coming that so many other people will be caught up in. Yep. Hey, if anybody's on Rumble or on Foxhole that has questions or comments, go ahead and please drop those in the chats. Yes. Welcoming all of those. There's, there's a lot of you over there on Rumble, so... If anybody's got a question or comment or an experience, yeah, feel free to write write it in there. We'd love to hear it. All right, let's go to another video. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it feels like a big potato. Oh my god, I'm surprised you had it on that long. <laughs> did you know that? Okay, so did you know Gold, Goldie Hawn? Remember her, Goldie Hawn? I think she's yeah. still alive. Um, Overboard. Yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. Overboard. Did you know she had an alien experience too? Mm -hmm. Did you? Okay, I never heard yep. of this. So Goldie Hawn's touching testimony. If you thought Goldie Hawn's life was only glitz and glamour, think again. She was 20 years old, working as a dancer in Anaheim. One night she found herself gazing at the stars, and little did she know the universe was gazing back. A few months later, Goldie was in West Covina, California, a place she describes as very close to a desert, 
and exhausted from a dance rehearsal, she decided to take a nap in a friend's car. Just as she was settling in, a high-pitched noise fills the air. It was a sound she described as a high, high frequency, something beyond the range of everyday noises. Then came the moment that forever changed her perspective. Through the car window, she saw beings, two or three of them, with triangular-shaped heads. Their features were minimal, a small slash for a mouth and tiny nose but no ears. They seemed to be pointing at her, discussing her, as if she was an object of fascination. Goldie felt paralyzed, unable to move or react. It was like she was caught in a cosmic force field. Despite this paralysis, she didn't feel threatened. In fact, she described the experience as benevolent and filled with light. She eventually burst out of her paralyzed state, wondering if it was a dream or reality. But years later, her story found validation. She spoke with an astrophysicist who had been researching such phenomena for 25 years. During their conversation, she went into a trance-like state and recalled even more details about her extraordinary encounter, including the sensation of being touched on her face, which she likened to the finger of God. Mm. The so, finger of yep. God. I, I will mention Goldie Hawn is a Scientologist, so we'll just mm. we'll just add <laughs> drop just, that there. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's important to note. Yeah, Joe, a lot she of similarities. Whether it was, yeah, she didn't know whether it was a reality or a dream. That's the way they all start out. You no, know, I've been having these dreams. If you just leave it at that, you wouldn't have any more. That's the thing, Joe. If you look at all of these cases, and I've looked at several of them, I watched lots of these videos and things like that, and then everything I've read in your book and what you've discussed, and I'm sure Michael's had the same experience, you see similarities. You see these patterns over and over again. And and that should be a red flag. It should be a red flag, and we should look at that and say, well, what the heck is going on here? Is it what these people are believing is happening, or is it deception? That, that's a key. CPN mom, Mike's mom said, uh, I have an experience but it is too much to explain here. I know now it was dreams. Yeah, how many of us have woke from a dream and we would swear that that happened? I mean, I, we've had some, I've, I know me personally, I've had a lot of vivid dreams where I could have swore an experience. <laughs> this is kind of an anecdotal dream that I had when I was like 21. Okay, my favorite car is a Corvette. So it's like, that's the car that I, I, I want a Corvette so bad. So... When I was 21, I remember I had this dream. It was so vivid. I could feel my hair blow when I had hair. I could feel my hair blowing in the wind. I, <laughs> I had my shades on in the dream, and I'm driving this red Corvette. And, I mean, it was like the greatest dream ever. I woke up, and I honestly thought that I had a Corvette in the driveway. And I remember I literally got up and looked. <laughs> and you talk about being let down, man. That was like the worst day of my life. But, I've, you know, we've all had that, like, very realistic type dream where it was just sure. you know the mind playing tricks on us but how much more when an entity's doing messing with your mind and your emotions and your will a lot more yeah this went on for years cpn mom yeah well yeah and it's funny when you do become a christian you understand the authority we do have in christ it just change. It's the game changer. It literally changes yeah, things like instantly. Like you don't have to suffer anymore. There's no more dealing with. It. Yeah. I had anxiety. Mine was an anxiety issue. You know, no one would have known it on the outside, but I was constantly had this turmoil inside. And when I found out that thing was demonic and told to get lost, 
I, it's been years. Like I just peace, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't have to suffer. If you're, if you've had this experience and you're suffering out there, you don't have to suffer anymore. You can get right. rid of it. You can. And if, if you need help, reach out to me, you know, and also if you've defeated this experience in the way that we're talking about through the name and authority and a relationship with Jesus Christ, reach out to me too, because that's what I do with this ministry. It's not just helping people. It's helping them through the overwhelming evidence that they can be helped. It's collecting these testimonies to show people when they question, you know, whether this is what I'm talking about is real or not, where I can say to them, how many testimonies do you need to see to understand what I'm telling you is the truth? Because it's, they're still coming in. I'm still getting testimonies on a regular basis because the more shows I do like this, the more people that have never heard my work, but yet need somebody to talk to and share what's happened to them. And I can take those testimonies and I can make them so the rest of the world has an opportunity to see them. You know, I don't have to use your full name. I usually use just the first name and I try to take out any reference in your written testimony to where you're located because that's not the important part that's needed. You might include it, but that's okay. I can take that out because I don't want it to come back, you know, personally harassment or anything else. But it's that unique testimonial experience of being set free that's important to the next person. And all the testimonies, I got over 60 of them in the book, and you'll see that they're all different. They're unique in that they're closely related to the same phenomenon. But each one has their own unique testimony. And the reason for that being important is because all of those unique testimonies, the people out there that are still looking for the hope, one of those is going to resonate with them and they're going, that's me. And that person was set free. I can be free too. Mm -hmm. And that's how we help these people is to know that they're there is a hope for them because there's no hope offered anywhere else in this community that works. None at all. And I stated that back in 1997, and I still state it today. There is no help for these people. Except so do they even, through Jesus Christ. Do they even offer any help? I don't, I've never heard any of these other, I mean, they just say accept the experience. Like you're like, this is yeah. some awesome thing that you need to welcome in your life. Yeah, the best they could deal with is maybe a support group, you know, where you sit around and cry on each other's shoulder and know you're not alone in the experience. But that doesn't help you, you know. I mean, how many, how, if, if, if this was all about rape, you know, is sitting around talking to other rape victims going to help you? Right. No, you want to be able to be free from the memories and the horror and the, you know, the, the, that part of it. You want to be able to know that there's a future and this is not this is not what defines you, you know. Let Jesus Christ define you; He can do that. And all the all and, and and I imagine that the people that are offering help, there's probably money attached to it. And here, oh, again, absolutely. the yeah. solution is free. It's a free yeah. gift. And it's absolutely a free gift. What man. else is free in this world? <laughs> nothing. There is nothing free in this world. We all no. know that. So let's talk about hybrids real quick. I know we've touched on this on other shows, but I know that's always something people that's on people's minds that are watching and later will listen to this podcast. Okay, so my opinion is 
there probably is some kind of hybrid walking around this earth right now. I mean, we've known what they've done with animals, uh, cloning, all these technologies, uh, CRISPR technology, splicing atoms. Like, there's lots of things that have happened technologically over the last, you know, 75 years. And we know that the Nazis were doing a lot of crazy stuff. Operation Paperclip exists, came over here, did a lot of crazy stuff, are still doing stuff. I truly believe there is something. Now, whether it's um, half human, half animal, or like they're creating bodies for demons to possess, um, and maybe that's what these, maybe there really are some little gray guys walking around and it's because they made them in a lab. And I, I don't think they're coming from other planets. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on that? I, Mike, well, let's, let me ask Mike first and then we'll, we'll go to you. What do you think about the, the meat suits that you always talk about? Well, I know that there are chimeras. I mean, that you can read about the chimeric mm -hmm. things that they've tried to create in labs, you know, crossing over. I, I read recently they, they've, uh, they've crossed, um, chimp with, uh, jellyfish DNA. They have glowing chimps. They have these, uh, these infant chimps that are, that the skin glows on. And so we know it's possible. Um, I just don't know if there's things running around the wild that are, you know, hybrid because some, some crazy scientists in some lab created some chimera and let it get out. But you know, other things may have gotten out of labs. So maybe a squash. No, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, Joe, let's hear it. Well, I guess it goes back to what your definition of a hybrid is. Because a monkey that glows in the dark, how is that a hybrid? What's it a hybrid with? You know, it's a modified chimp is what it is. Yeah. It's not a hybrid. I don't see anything out there in evidence yet. Nobody's brought forward a a bird fish or a, a horse dog. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. There is none of that. There's nothing out, out there. And if they're making supposedly the grays, and again, you're talking about a modified human, and then you're probably cloning them. You know, that's mm -hmm. uh, unless you're using surrogate mothers to make these things, you know, somewhere. You hired a bunch of them. But uh, I don't see that happening. You know, I still got to take it back. I, I think they, Pete, there are crazy scientists that are probably trying to make it happen, but I think it's never going to happen. And the reason I say that is I got to go back to what God's word says. God was the only creator, okay? The only one that can create is God. We can manipulate, but we can't create. Mm -hmm. When you're creating a hybrid, that's, a creation that's not a manipulation but again god's the only creator and he set things in motion he set laws in motion and he states that everything was created after its kind right and i don't think we're ever going to be able to break that rule this is why everything is like it is you can you can manipulate a a species but you can't cross over between kinds you, and no matter how hard they try that, i mean you can take a pig and grow a, an ear on its back that's yeah. a modification that's not a hybrid 
you know. So I think we're limited and I don't think we'll ever see a hybrid in the sense that people are talking about. This whole genetic thing that's part of this UFO phenomenon, I believe is just part of what makes this delusion even deeper than it is. Remember, this is a delusion that's supposed to be so powerful that it could deceive the very elect themselves. And that very elect, that reference to the elect, that's true believers founded in the word of God mm-hmm. that will not be swayed. So this delusion, if it's sent by God himself, which Second Thessalonians says, you better believe it's going to be big. And you mm-hmm. better believe it's going to be deep and multi-layered, something that we could never uncover. It's going to be that powerful. We will never get an answer for it. That's how powerful this is. Because if we could, then it wouldn't be a delusion, would it? No. Danielle said, where are all the missing children going? I believe they are being used for such things, experiments and, and stuff. I There's about 800,000 kids that go missing in America alone every year. And, I mean, I it's dark thinking about these things. But that could be. I mean, there could be some of these children could be taken. And we know there's underground tunnels that they use for trafficking and stuff. There's a lot of dark, sick people. And like I said, I, Joe, have you ever read stuff about like Oper- Operation Paperclip when the Nazis yeah. came over? And, okay, yeah. so, um, and all the experiments that they were doing and continued in yeah. right here in America. I mean, NASA was, you know, part of that program. So it's it's it does lend to the idea that this could be going on. Maybe we haven't seen it yet. And I know you're saying that, you know, you don't think God would let that barrier be crossed. I don't know if I'm, I used to think that. But then I think of the, the Tower of Babel. And God said, you know, if, if, you, if we let them continue, they could basically attain the goals they were looking to, to attain. They would never overtake God. You can't overtake the Creator. No. But they would obtain some, something, whatever they were trying to do. He, God actually said they could, they could attain that goal. So maybe there's a possibility that they could cross that threshold of bringing two things together and create Minotaur or something like that, where, you know, you have half man, half, half, what was Minotaur, a bull or something? I can't remember. A horse. Um, a horse. Okay. A horse. Yeah, so, the torso of a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it's a possibility, maybe not. I mean, it's interesting to talk about and speculate. I guess time will tell. Uh, let's just pray that doesn't happen or isn't happening. Oh. The one effect that's most important to understand about the hybridization aspect of the UFO abduction phenomenon is what it what it actually does that we can record. And it's not that we can actually verify there's hybrids, but there is an effect that we can record. And that effect is, is how it controls a woman experiencer. Because this part of the of the delusion goes after the most powerful female instinct, which is the maternal instinct. And when you can control a woman by that, you own her. And I see that over and over and over Man. listening to these people that are experiencers. That is they become sold away. That is such a great point, Joe. Yeah, because you hear all these women that, you know, are impregnated by the aliens and then they come back and they see their child and they're traumatized yeah. by it. 
Yeah, that's wow. That's other than your racist comment on the very first show, <laughs> aliens are racist. This one's right up there, man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But that is a powerful instinct. Man. Something that came to mind when when Joe you were talking about um how you don't believe that God would, you know, let us get to that point is uh the the mule. You know, the yeah. The donkey and the horse they cross, but the mule yeah. cannot procreate. The mule but and the donk- mule but a donkey and a horse are from the same kind. Right, right. But that's the only thing I thought of, though. I just it brought it brought to mind though how the mule, once the mule comes about, it can't procreate with another mule and create another mule. Um, and so it just it just to me it was like a almost like a natural showing of what you were explaining. Like, look, you know, even if this were to happen in nature, and they are the same kind, you're going to yeah. get to this point of infertility, yeah. and. I wonder even if modifying the DNA a little bit will cause those problems to exist. And I figure we'll probably find that answer out before long because they do keep messing around with, you know, it's not hybridization. Like you were saying, it's not full. It's not like a full hybrid of one species, half one species, half another species. They're just, they're playing around the edges. Oh, let's see. We can insert this little piece of DNA here. And then, you know, eventually some of these things I imagine they're going to let to grow to adulthood and see what they can do with them from that point. And I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if that that'll cause them to the inability to procreate, you know, it's just a thought. You know, Randy the, said, the thing Dolly, about, the clone sheep died. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. The, Quickly. The, mm-hmm. the biggest promotion of, of this hybridization, um, still comes in the Christian realm. And the reason for that is, is because they want the, the promoters of this want it to be real because it's the one thing that they can use to support their, their interpretation of Genesis 6-4. Without hybrids, they got a problem. Mm-hmm. And they have, they, these same proponents of this on the Christian side, also believe that abduction experiences are actual physical events that happen to people. And my research shows that that's otherwise. There's no beings coming here and taking people to a ship somewhere. That's never happened. That's part of this delusion. Well, in the, in the question of the of the human-angel hybrid, uh, I ask why is that not happening today if it was happening then? Well, they believe it is. And see, I don't believe that. I don't believe it happened then no. either. Because no, uh, the no, Bible no. tells us to, to them who believe he gave power to be the sons of God. Yeah. Well, well, who was the son of God? Seth and Seth's offspring were the sons of God. And then they started mixing with the heathen, just like you see throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel, mixing with the heathen, you know, adopting the heathen's customs and cultures, uh, it's just a, a type and shadow of the continued story that we see throughout the Old Testament of the constant turning away from God and going against what he what what his plan is for his people. And so um, I think that, you know, there are people that believe it's an angel, you know, angels came down, they were procreating with the daughters of men. But then you have that other you have that other aspect, you know, well, if if later in the Bible it says that those who believe are the sons of God, then that, you know, it doesn't ever say the angels are the sons of God. 
it only says that we believers are the sons of God and the daughters of God. So therefore, if you go back to Seth and you have Seth, who, you know, was was Adam's begotten after Abel was murdered. And then through Seth, you have the lineage, which would be the sons of God, in my opinion. And so there's a way to make it, you know, there's a way to look at it that as, as it's, 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 uh, that it's not hybrid angel humans. And it could just be how it's explained in Genesis. And so, but, you know, if you want to believe the other side, some yeah. people aren't willing to look at it yeah. from that perspective. I, I find it hard to believe that angels don't have sexual parts i mean the bible's clear and it says because remember when jesus was saying that um in heaven there is no marriage because it's the marriage of the the bride and the groom right jesus mm -hmm. and his bride the church so and then i remember the, was it the uh, pharisees i think they were like you know because that's what they were questioning well what about the angels and this and that well if if jesus says that they're neither male or nor, nor female I mean, they, they do have an essence about them, I guess, that would be considered male or, you know, or yes. female or whatever. But it's not like we think of male or female with, with genitalia that confirm we're one or the other. So I it does seem to me that, you know, in Genesis 6, the account of the angels, you know, the fallen ones coming down and let, they didn't, I don't think there was intercourse. I don't, I don't think that actually happened. I used to think that. I don't anymore. I, was there genetic things going on? Was there, uh, maybe because Michael and I have talked about this many times, if the earth's been around for, you know, I believe it's six to 10,000 years, somewhere in that range, let's just say it's a million years, whatever. I think at some point, intelligence developed. I mean, they were building the Tower of Babel. They were intelligent people. Something was going on. And I don't know how we could have all these eras of, eras of time. And all of a sudden, just in the last like 300 years, we've gotten so smart. Like that, that just doesn't make sense to me. I think there's too much evidence in our history to show that humans had intelligence. And the closer you get to Adam, there was extreme intelligence. Sure. Right. I mean, like he, he was perfect for a while. He was the perfect man, perfect woman think, before sin. Well, think about it, Gino. If you had eight generations behind you and you all worked together, over a thousand year period to accomplish that. Yeah, what could you point. accomplish? That's a, yeah, that's exactly. A good point. Yep. Yep. Good point. <laughs> Feminist, yeah. Yes. Sorry, plant. <laughs> Not feminism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. What do you think, Joe? I mean, what do you think happened in Genesis six? Well, I don't know. And I've, I've looked at it from a number of perspectives. And the one that I liked the best was from a pastor that I listened to uh, that does a lot of Bible study on on uh, YouTube and he made a one that I'd never heard before. And it, man, it, it makes so much simpler sense that we know that angelics have no genetics. They're spirit beings. Okay. We're not, we're physical beings. So again, we've got two different kinds that can't mix Mm -hmm. and produce something because God's a creator. These beings didn't come and create anything. But having sex, these entities having sex with the women, he gave it this possibility. The other possibility is through demonic possession or demonic influence. Remember, all these experiences 
succubus, incubus, abductions are all about sexual, you know, sexual relations. Mm -hmm. These entities have a fixation with having a want for sexual experience with humans because I guess they don't get that in the spirit realm. This is a way that that could have happened. That could be what they're talking about. Is these being is the the men could have been overcome by these beings, like we see in possession, so that they could have that experience with these women, so they would experience the sexual intercourse with a human woman by a man that's under possession or influence, demonic influence. Yeah. Now That's the outcome, the outcome of that says that they created the Nephilim, but the Nephilim translates as men of renown, men of old. What does that mean? You know, obviously they weren't good people. You know, it doesn't mean that they were giants. Giants ended up being an interpretation. So could they have created monster men that were well known over time? Oh, of course they could. You know, and they wouldn't have been godly men. You know, for sure. So I think that's an easier understanding of what's being talked about there. You know, this whole thing, this whole tie-in didn't even come about with this abduction thing. This whole thinking that, you know, this is the same hybridization from this is an answer to what happened in Genesis 6-4. This didn't even come about until 1997 with Chuck Mitzler's book where he talked about it. You know, and then all of a sudden, everybody jumped on the bandwagon and goes, oh, yeah, that's what this is. But the whole hybridization idea came about from Dr. David Jacobs, his flawed secular research dealing with hypnotics, you know, doing hypnotic regressions, which we know is not valid. It's not acceptable as being valid. You know, so that's the whole thing was perpetrated right there. And it's sad that Christian researchers are relying on, you know, the, the the findings of David Jacobs to support their Bible verses. Yeah, it seems like if anybody comes along with a good story, people tend to jump on it because it 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 might fit that that desire we have to know the supernatural. Special knowledge. Special mm -hmm. knowledge, yeah. Uh like like the offer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I don't know. I think that's common. I think most people do want to know something supernatural or they want to be special in the universe. Yeah. And if they knew God, you are special. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all, we're all nothing, uniquely special. Yeah. There's nothing more supernatural than that book of his. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely amazing. The more you study it, the more you can learn. Mm -hmm. And it just never ends. You couldn't learn everything in that book in a in hundred lifetimes. It's just too full, and it's just amazing. You just yeah. peel I, back more and more and more. Yeah, that's it. Yes. All right, I'm going to play another video. This is Hugh Ross, the astrophysicist, and I, I think we played a similar clip last time, but I think he's he makes a good point. 
dealing with people that tell me they've had encounters with aliens or uh, flying saucers or UFOs. And often when people tell me they've been inducted, it's a psychological experience they're having. It's not really an encounter uh, with UFO beings. However, I found some that really are an encounter with UFO beings. But in every single case, it only happens to individuals who are very deep into the occult or witchcraft. If you're involved in a seance, you're basically inviting a demon to invade your life. Astrology would be another example. Ouija board, occult art, occult music. When people get this out of their life, their anxiety level goes down, they stop being depressed, but it's important that they open their hearts up to truth. Don't just let your heart be empty. You got rid of the bad stuff, you need to bring in the good stuff, the truth of what the Bible says about a God that wants a relationship with you where he's going to deliver you uh, from sin and evil step by step. So, Joe, that kind of lines up with what you've discovered, is that the occult is definitely intertwined somewhere in someone's family lineage or with that particular person. And I know, even in my own life, people that I've known that have had, like, you know, paranormal stuff going on in their homes, ghosts and all that stuff, it's it's the same thing. There's there's been witchcraft, there's been sorcery, there's been a Ouija board, there's been open doors that have let these things in their home. Sure. Anything that is about what God said, don't mess with. That's what the occult is. Yep. Uh, Bill Donahue, good to see you, brother. He said three times in Job alone, celestial beings, angels are called sons of God. Yes. That's the only time that they are. Mm -hmm. Because every other time it mentions sons of God, it's talking about us. Everything in the New Testament talks about us being the sons of god and so yes it does it does say that in job so i misspoke is it let me ask you something is it um i gosh it's been a long time since i looked into this stuff so sons of god i mean is it a different interpretation from the hebrew and greek because i know there's this yeah the scripture he's talking about that's when he's they stood before god and watched him create is that the scripture he's talking about in job i think it is Right. The best, yeah. Before the 5th century, held the position that Genesis 6, 1 through 5 deals with celestial beings. I always thought that too, Bill. I don't know. I I got to, I'm going to have to look into that a little more. I've heard so many different interpretations of Genesis 6 that it's one of those things where you're like, I I definitely do not believe there was intercourse going on between between a spirit being and humanity. That's just not not what happened right directly i don't know what it was yeah there's Mm -hmm. but whether you know the whole sons of god and i've heard the line of seth you know like you were explaining and i've heard the other side i don't know which one to believe because i can see plausibility in in most of them in in a lot of them so it's it's hard to say you know i wasn't there obviously so i can't say nope it was that it was this with 100 percent certainty but i think it's an interesting conversation amongst christians to to discuss this stuff because it's healthy you know, and none of us have it all. We can look at the the Greek and the Hebrew and, and you know, and figure it out from that perspective the best we can. But, but it's but definitely it becomes, an interesting conversation. Shouldn't be division. It becomes, it becomes more than that with people who follow it. Does. And that's, that's a red flag. That, to me, yeah. is showing that something's not right. Because it consumes them. The whole focus on this Nephilim teaching consumes them Mm -hmm. everything they talk about has to be about nephilim sorry to say but it's 
I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's like talking to a flat earther. You know, it's the same type of thing. I was just going to say that because that's, that's the thing, you know, I, I, I got blocked the other day because I engaged with a flat earther who claimed to be a Christian on my social media. And I, and all I said was, and they blocked me for this. I said, I wish you were as zealous about sharing the gospel as you are about yeah. trying to convince people of the shape of the earth. Because at the exactly. end of the day, convincing somebody of the shape of the earth has no meaning. It, it does not matter. It does not matter in the grand scheme of things. The earth could be a giant cube. It doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus. What matters is where you're going to spend your eternity. And so I, I agree. You know, when you get sucked into some of these things, it become it, it, it kind of overshadows um, more important, the more important aspects, especially the gospel. The gospel should, should be the most important. Michael, let's start a cubed earth society. A cubed earth? Let's See, Bill start. Donahue agrees. Bill Donahue agrees too. Yeah, this isn't a doctrinal issue yeah. at all. This yep. has nothing to yep. do with doctrine. This is clearly speculation. We, no. we're, and we're it's fun. We're ruminating fun. what what this means. I mean, and there's yeah. a lot of perspectives on it. And there I and is, I like that perspective that that Joe mentioned that it could just be uh, human human beings inhabited by mm-hmm. demonic forces who want that experience, who just want that experience, yeah. and it, so which makes sense. Gino, what you read a minute ago, read that again about what Genesis 6 is about. Uh, Okay, so three times... Bill said, oh, okay, the vast majority of Jewish and Christian writers before the 5th century AD held to the position that Genesis 6, 1 through 5, deals with celestial beings. That doesn't go against what I gave as an example of how that can Mm. work. Mm-hmm. It right. is about celestial beings, Absolutely. and it's the way they did it. It's not that they themselves had the intercourse. It's they manipulated through a human being to experience the intercourse. And nothing's changed, Joe. They still do this. They inhabit they bodies. That. That's what they do. Yeah. And, and But now it's just the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that yeah. are here because yeah. of the flood. So it's it's this thing of they're living their lust through through our flesh. And I like yeah. now it totally makes sense. Like why? Like when people are uh, promiscuous, and they want they have to sleep with all these different people. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's abuse and things, but you can always trace it back to the this lust issue and somebody in that lineage, yeah. and that lust comes usually from a demonic presence that it's allowed yeah. in through you know wandering eyes or pornography or whatever. You open it through yeah. doorways. And that's the same thing we see with these, you know, so-called alien abductions. Someone was playing around with a Ouija board or someone went to a seance and, you know, or whatever. All these things open doors that we're not supposed to be opening. Drugs, drugs open that, that door too. alcohol. That reminds me, uh, when I was a kid, my sister was seven years older than me and her and her teenage friends, when I was real little, she was watching me, but they were playing with a Ouija board and it terrified me at the age it terrified me so much that nope i'm never going to touch that i'm never going to get close to that i don't want to mess with that so when my friends of course started messing with it i'm like no i'm not i'm not i i don't know why at the time i didn't know why but it terrified me to even tr- do anything to do with that you know ouija board and i'm glad it did i'm really glad it did because that could have been could have been bad news for a while for me if you've ever had a spiritual encounter on the bad side, it's a little freaky. It's a little disconcerting. I had one incident. I was working. I was um, 
at my brother-in-law's house actually and i was down in his basement no one was home just me and i was i was wiring a light up in his basement and all of a sudden there was this chill and i hear a voice as loud as i'm talking right now and he says <laughs> it was a male voice and it said i effing hate you and I was like, what the, what was that? I mean, I wasn't thinking about anything. I didn't have my earbuds in, nothing. I was just working. And it was like as clear as day like that. And I rebuked that thing in the name of Jesus instantly. And I felt the air clear like that. But I don't know what's going on in his house, what he was allowing in there. But that, that's one of those open doors where possibly that thing sensed, obviously knew that I had God living in me, right? We're the temple of the living Lord, living God. And so that thing sensed it and didn't like me very much being there. But that's, that was, I got to tell you that I it was a little unnerving when you hear a voice like, and I'm looking around, I'm like, what was that? There's no TV on, there's no radio, nothing. It was a little, little weird. That was about 10 years ago. You guys have any of those experiences? I can't say I have. I'm glad. No. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I haven't had anything too terrifying happen mm -hmm. when it comes to paranormal stuff. Yeah. Joe, when you have these, these subjects that you talk to, and I'm, I'm sure you've talked to some of them many, many times when they get free, I mean, it's gotta be the greatest feeling for not only well, for yeah. you, I mean, but, but for them, like just in their for families them. and just being set free from all that garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It, it's an amazing change. And, you know, they've been so deceived. And that's, that's why you, you, they become such powerful believers. They understand what it takes, wh what it is when they find the truth. It's, it's a bigger, how do I say that? I think, I have to tell you, though, the, the most excited believers that I've met were Messianic Jews. Jews that came to Jesus, you know, and, and these experiencers that I've worked with, they rank right up there second to them. To know that they, you know, a, a Jew coming to Christ, you know, now they're looking at generations of, of, of being deceived, you know, so yeah, they are absolutely on fire believers when they come to Jesus. And it's the same thing I see with these experiencers that you know, they be, they've come from such horrific lives that have been turned upside down to, to be able to finally come to peace and joy and patience and all the things that we're supposed to have as believers. You know, it, it's such a change. It's amazing. And that's why you're in this business, right? Setting people Again, free I, through the word. I definitely didn't me. ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right. Well, let's play one more video and then we're going to close up shop here. Um, let's go with, I know last time we played Luis Elizondo and his confession of basically saying that, yeah, these things are demons, um, and that the U S government already knew that the Pentagon was talking about that. So I think I'm going to play this one instead. Pentagon aliens are demons. One of the biggest things, surprisingly, that he ran into with opposition within the Pentagon, within the defense department to the work that he was doing is that there was a very large contingent of people that believed that this was a demonic force as in demons and that we shouldn't be doing it. We shouldn't be investigating it. We shouldn't be poking the tiger in the eye. And that that was not just a little voice in the Pentagon. This was a huge group of people. Wait, they thought the phenomenon 
found that was being witnessed was demons? Yes, within the military establishment, within the Pentagon, within DOD, there was a large number of people that opposed his work because they thought from a very, very fundamentalist viewpoint that we're dealing with demonic activity. So the Pentagon knows this. Some of the people at the Pentagon at least know it. I guess the question is, well, if the Pentagon's here to protect the American people, protect our country, then why wouldn't they have a press conference and say, hey, guys, um, what we've discovered and what we know is going on with this UAP stuff, it's really demonic. Why, why isn't there that press conference, Joe? That's a good question. I got no answer for that one. Because, I mean, if that's the threat and there's a way to, to stop the threat, I mean, then it seems like that should be the press presser we're all waiting for. Like, this is, okay, we have disclosure. <laughs> and everybody's gathered around waiting for in this big conference room for disclosure. And they tell you, but, yeah, it's demons. But the, <laughs> but the problem is, the problem is then they no longer have control. Yeah, that's what I that's was thinking. The, that's the problem. That's, they're wanting us to trust them, you know, for what's going on. I was thinking the exact same thing. It is about control. It's always about control. Yeah. And why would they want to surrender that if they don't have to? They can keep fear exactly. over us, you know, over the public, yeah. general public. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what I thought when they were saying it, right? Because they're saying some of the people didn't want to deal with this because they yeah. knew what it was. So what do they do? They probably push those people out and got replacements <laughs> for them. <laughs> that would go retirement. The program. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many of them versus how many other people who wanted to go in the other direction? Yeah. Um, curiosity killed the cat, as they say, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're just as prone as human beings. We're more so. Okay, I lied. We're going to play one more video. This is astronaut Charlie Duke talking about aliens. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You believe in UFOs, alien life? Uh, no, I don't believe in alien life. Uh, uh, I believe uh, that the uh, there are, uh, God showed me a specific answer to a, two prayers, that they're demonic and that they're uh, uh, mm. demonic beings that make an appearance uh, and appear to be real, and they are real. Uh, an angel, uh, Satan, Bible says, angel, uh, Satan can appear as an angel mm -hmm. of light. Mm -hmm. So uh, they can appear, and so nothing human can make a ninety-degree turn at three thousand miles an hour mm -hmm. and survive. And so they have these. And I think the purpose is to draw you away from the 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 real uh god and say look at us and this is where you ought to be because mm. we are superhuman mm. there's other astronauts that have come forward saying the same thing sure so it's it's not an uncommon thing it's just it's buried it's not publicized of course the media is not going to hype it up so it's it's not like this wild conspiracy theory to think that this is demonic I mean, it's if you really look at the evidence, like you've stated over and over again tonight, Joe, it's going to lead you to a conclusion that's what we're talking about. If you're really objectively looking for it and not just wanting to be part of this grandeur, like 
you know, thing like, oh, I can't wait for, I, I used to be part of that. Like, I understand that. I get like, oh, I can't wait till they come back and they save us, you know, from ourselves and, and, and bring new intelligence and technologies and all. like that is, that's a great story. Okay. Yeah. But there's a better story and that's Jesus Christ is going to come back one day and do all that stuff. And we're going to have great, you know, new bodies and we're going to be like him. It's going to be amazing. But until then, we got to wrestle through this world and fight these things off. And if you think that they're good, or even, I mean, most of these people don't even think they're good. They're saying they're horrendous things they're going through. But yet that Stockholm syndrome kicks in and they, they're just letting it happen over and over again because they think there's no cure for it, no remedy. I don't know. I mean, that's, that is the ultimate deception. Uh, real quick, Bill said, uh, Walter Martin, founder of the Christian Research Institute, also taught that aliens, UFO experiences were paraphysical and demonic. Did you, uh, do you know who Walter Martin was, Joe? Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know if I know who that, I'm sure I do, but I don't remember. You know, the, is he I don't know if we shared around? it on the last, I don't know, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know if it was the last show, if I shared it or not, but one of the quotes that I got from uh, John D'Souza. Uh, FBI mm -hmm. guy, yeah. Where he comes yeah. out and he he actually says, you know, they've known this for they've they've all known this that the only way to stop these experiences is through Jesus Christ, you know. And this is the FBI guy coming out and actually saying yeah. this. Now D'Souza though he's kind of new agey. He's he yeah. I wouldn't consider he's, him Christian. He's still playing the game, you know. Yeah, and he's an X file. Didn't they create the X files kind of after his? That's what he said. Stories. Yeah. yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's true or not, but yeah, yeah, that's. But he's I mean. using it to his his advantage. Yeah, got to make the money when you can, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The more you, oh gosh, I, the UFO community, it's there's all these cliques are kind of the same. It doesn't matter what the label is over them. Once you're in that clique and your peers respect you because of your you know research and. Yeah. How many times you appeared on, you know, ancient aliens. I guess it's like you get to the point where, gosh, I'm making a lot of money. This is a nice life I've got here. You know, this Joe guy has a point, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, I get it. I know why they're doing yeah. it. And see, that's yeah. why if you're if, and these guys aren't Christians, so they're not going to they're not going to have the eternal perspective. They're only going to have this life and i'm going to make this life as best as i can right now my best life now that's what they're doing well i like i tell people my my research findings aren't a game changer they're a game ender and that's what they don't want to happen they want to continue to play the game yeah they do i don't know it's frustrating but that it is what it is i guess it's romans one they suppress the truth and yeah. unrighteousness yep you know and that's one. what the that's what Second Thessalonians said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does it say? Why did they send a strong? Yeah. Why does God send a strong delusion for exactly that reason? Yes, the truth. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, since uh, since reading your book and then having you on, I'd say the one negative thing is I don't watch Ancient Aliens anymore. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. I used to enjoy the entertainment value of it. Now I just can't even, I can't stomach it. Yeah, not but, a UFO racist anymore, huh? Yeah, not a UFO yeah. racist. But, uh, but I did want to ask. theorists say yes. Yeah. Well, Michael, they said yes. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I almost I was forgot waiting that for it. today. Yeah. I... <laughs> 
man. Joe, I had to scour the internet for that soundbite <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> and then one. I deleted it from my computer on accident. I'm like, oh, no, now i got to find it again. Uh, yeah, it is, it's our favorite one. <laughs> Joe, man, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on again. Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you. Hey, just yeah. uh, make sure, you, in case you got any new listeners out there, if you guys got a testimony or if you need to talk to me about help, please reach out to me at my email, ce4president at yahoo.com. And if you want to take this information, I put the book together to make it easy to share with somebody. It takes you through my findings. It takes you through question and answers to get people to doubt what they've been dealing with. That's how you help these people. You start breaking down the stronghold by showing them the problems with what they believe. And I give plenty of question and answers in there to help you do that. And then you can give them the testimonial evidence. There's over 60 testimonies in that book. I'll give you, I'll give you listeners this one. If you really can't afford a book, contact me. I'll help you out. I might just send you one at my $5.65 cost. You know? <laughs> I want to make sure you have the opportunity to share this with people. Okay. If you can't explain it all to them, say, hey, you might want to take a look at this book and give it to them. It might just be saving a soul. And you might save a whole family yeah. soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. And generations to so, come, possibly. So, yeah. Very important. Yeah. You know, Joe, thank you so much again. We always appreciate you. You're always welcome back. Now, I know your street cred has had to go through the roof since you've been on the blender seven times. I mean, you probably get noticed all over <laughs> South Florida right now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I get lots of lots of stuff coming in. <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> Not necessarily good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It turns out to be good in the end. All right. Good. Excellent. You all right. Well, all the conference. Yes, I know. I want to, mm -hmm. man, I'm going to, actually, I still want to take you up on that tour down there. I want to yeah. get down there. And I'm yeah. hoping, uh, I really want to get down, like, probably in February. That's when we would make a trek down there. I'm, I'm just praying that can happen. Because I have to get, when the snow starts falling here, I'm out. <laughs> like, I can't, <laughs> like, I have to <laughs> escape. Yeah, just give me a couple of weeks warning and uh, I'll get you set up. We can come in and see the rocket being built. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. We didn't even talk Plus, about the moon landing this time, did we? No. <laughs> you know, I I I was just I was just looking at some YouTube stuff from the uh the the recent satellites that have been up there to uh survey resurvey in the moon. And uh there's a lot of really good pictures they took of uh the landing site when they did the flyover. And uh, it's amazing when you look at those pictures because you can really zoom in on them and blow them up, and you can still see the tracks from the crawl, you know, from the from the, the rovers, you know, and and all the debris that they left there. It's all still there, and you can see it when they from the, the recent satellite photos they've sent around the moon. Uh you went you went muted again. Sorry, I did it, man, twice. <laughs> Joe, you're going to hate me, but I'm still 50-50 on the whole moon landing thing. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm still in that, I, I just, there's that little part of me that's like, I don't know. A lot of it looks fake. You know, I actually, I forgot to tell you, I saw you on Nino Rodriguez's show yeah, last time, but how come he didn't talk about the alien abductions or anything? It was all just strictly rockets and moon <sighs> stuff and 
I thought yeah. that's kind of your your that, thing. That was you know? the sec. That was the second show, and uh, I oh. think that one was just to support his his followers. He had oh. a lot of flattering <laughs> followers on there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he had to appease them. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Michael, any last words, brother? No, just thanks, Joe, for coming on again. We we Absolutely. very much enjoy having you come on, and I know the audience likes the the folks in the chat like to like to ask the questions. We didn't get too many tonight, but um, but we got some good ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like some of the questions. That I, know, were I asked. wish I wish uh, we had. There was quite a few people over there in Rumble, but uh, no one wanted to ask questions. I I would love to just do a whole show where it's just questions and answers, and you know maybe even people calling in, giving their accounts of what happened to them you know or something like that yeah, i'd but love that i just... wonder if maybe we opened up the line if people from rumble would jump on because maybe i i don't know what it is but i know that i think it was danielle somebody it was danielle or it was somebody else that was on rumble one night and it they said that somebody else was in the chat but we couldn't neither one of us could see their chat but they were oh, texting really? back and forth and so i don't know what's up with the rumble chat we may not be able to okay. see what's going on maybe over not. here. So maybe doing a call in with the zoom link might be something good for next time. Yeah, Maybe. I know we did a show last night, Megan and I, we had a nice, really big crowd last night on rumble and it was active. I saw it moving and doing stuff. So maybe it comes and goes. I don't know. Hopefully it's not oh. a glitch. Yeah. That would stink. Cause I if hope, you're out uh, there people... and you're on rumble, say hello in the chat, if you can, just so we can see <laughs> yeah. if it works. And while you're doing that, if you wouldn't mind, dropping a, a thumbs up that would be amazing too because that helps get us in the algorithms yes we definitely appreciate that yes all right well um oh thank you holy moly for the cookie thank you bill donahue we appreciate those thank you for that one more thank you <laughs> no cans tonight mike we didn't uh, we didn't have to worry about <laughs> getting all hammered before the show even got started joe sometimes people would gift us cans right at the beginning of the show and me and mike have to split it so we don't <laughs> we want to do a sober show uh guys go check out uh joe's uh oops there it is okay go check out his youtube channel ce4 research and then you can also as he said earlier check out the new one ufos uaps threat or hope the full conference joe you said that's going to be uploaded or it's already uploaded i got two videos uploaded now click on the videos you should see it yeah, that's Guy Malone and then my talk, the wrap-up talk. I'm just waiting on the first two, Jason December and uh, Robert Sparing. And he's gotcha. he's about to finish those up now. Yeah, Guy Malone's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say he's a good guy, but I won't go there. Sorry. That's the dad. It's not dad joke night tonight. So, and by <laughs> the way, folks, I would have, I should have asked the chat this earlier. How many of you would have liked to see Joe participate in dad jokes tonight? How awesome would that have been? <laughs> or alien jokes. I don't know. Whatever you got, but uh, maybe next time, Joe. You can I, do yeah, I would do it. Prepare. I just gotta, I just gotta study up on some because I'm not one that usually tells jokes unless I find them somewhere. <laughs> but that's the best part. See, you don't have to be a joke teller <laughs> to tell dad jokes. They're they're supposed to be dry and stupid, and yeah, it's fun. I've got I've got I've got two for you guys. All right, there's one. Uh, why do Norwegian ships have barcodes on the side of them? <laughs> I so know when they pull, so when they pull into port, you can Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is I just started investing in stocks, beef, 
chicken, vegetable. One day I hope to be a bullionaire. I like that. <laughs> you were, Michael, I just used that joke when Danielle was on. Me and Danielle. Yeah, I did. I used nice. that one. See, That's funny, like, yeah. yeah, great minds, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> joke, I, this is what I think should happen. Me and Mike will do dad jokes next time, and you come up with some alien ones, because that'll be like okay. a nice, like, that'll you know, work. go-between thing. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll work. Right on. All right, everybody. We appreciate you. Have a blessed night over there on uh, pill.net foxhole and also on Rumble. And if anybody's out there on Twitter, I always forget about Twitter. Um, yeah, anybody over there, thank you so much for watching. Go ahead and please click that thumbs up on your way out. We would appreciate it. I'm live Tuesday night. We have a guest from actually from your neck of the woods, Joe, um, a guy running for sheriff down in oh, Dade County, I think it is. Um, Good guy, and he is committed to fighting human trafficking, so that's what we'd like to hear. Good. So we will have, and I, Danielle, you could drop it in the chat. I can't remember the gentleman's name. Good guy. He actually watches our show sometimes, too. I don't, I'm not sure if he watches The Blender, but he watches our other ones. So we appreciate you. Have a great night. God bless, and take care. We will see you next time. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.